0: What's happening, everybody? Welcome to the program. You are listening to The Jeff Gerstman Show. And today is February 13th. I'm your host for this week's installment of the show. My name is Jeff Gerstman. I'm here uh, to host uh, this time around. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. We've got some video games to discuss, some video game ha- some happenings some happenings in the video game world. It's been a weird... There's a weird cloud hanging over... There's a weird x-cloud hanging over video games right now. Over the last week. It's been this really weird... Uh, the vibes are off. If you will. Um, As everyone tries to kind of dissect and figure out what the heck is going on with all of the microsoft stuff and the xbox multi-platform not a ton of movement on that front we'll get into that when we get into the news as to kind of the the couple of of things that have happened and things that that will be happening in the relatively uh near future here um but it's been a it's been a weird it's been weird i don't know uh less weird are the games so i don't know foam stars <laughs> Foam stars is kind of maybe a weird game um I've been playing a little bit of more uh foam stars here and there it's I don't know how much more foam stars I'm going to actually play though it's it's fine it's a good little diversion, i guess is what I would say but i don't it doesn't it's not the sort of thing. It's hard to envision anyone sticking with Foam Stars long term. You know, even if they added a bunch of modes and characters and like if they added more to the framework that they have created. It's hard for me to see a scenario where where Foam Stars really. Really takes off. Some people have been really down on Foam Stars. I don't think that there's enough in Foam Stars to get really down on other than perhaps the price of some of the skins and some of that some of that sort of stuff, which is. You know, they've got multiple characters in there, right? So um you got to buy skins per character, right? And so it's like these $45 bundles uh for a skin and then a surfboard skin and a gun skin and you know, of course you can buy them separately for less than $45. They have things in there that are like 3 bucks or whatever if that's more your speed, but is just something about, like, we've got a special deal for you, dog. It's a $45 skin for a character. By the way, only one person per team can play as this character, so if they choose this character first, you don't get to show everyone your expensive skins. I don't know. Uh, that That is actually, like, it, to, to talk about Foam Stars is, uh, is to talk about its... Um, it, it being a hero shooter, it being a character specific, you know, shooter loadouts are attached to the characters, the weapons, the abilities, all of that sort of stuff are tied to the individual characters. And so who you pick determines what type of gun you have and what type of abilities you use and, and all of and all of that. I hate that because I, I will go into a game and, and I will start to get good at a single character I'll go like, oh, this is the character I want to play as. This is the gun I like to shoot. This is the, these are the abilities I like to use. Oh, wait, someone chose this character first? <sighs> okay. Well, I guess I don't really know any of the other characters, so I'll just randomly pick one and hope for the best because I, I messed around with everyone in training and decided I didn't really like the other ones all that much. And uh... So this round, I guess I'm just asked out. And maybe I'll learn something, and maybe I'll learn to like another character, of course, but uh, but I just conceptually, when it comes to that style of shooter, and, uh, you know, there's been years where Call of Duty did this back around Black Ops 4, uh, which is, you know, a pretty low point for the franchise, I think. Uh, 3 and 4 kind of, you know, with the some of the characters they, they used in there. Uh, of course, you have something like an Overwatch uh at the, the other end of that, too, where you know, I got into uh who did I get into an in overwatch? I tried to play as uh was it May for a little while and with the she with the ice walls and all that stuff, and then I was like, ah, I'm not great at this. And so I started playing as let's call him Lucio. Is that his name, dude? I don't know names of overwatch characters um i uh, and uh, and then eventually kind of stopped playing the game entirely so you know whatever um but yeah when when car- when, when games do that apex legends does that in, in a lot of its modes as well where it's just like oh i i like to be able to be the healer and do this sort of stuff and i'm okay at it and blah 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 and then by the way someone else chose this character and you're like now that apex has like a zillion more characters maybe that's less of a big deal assuming you own those characters right so you, you end up in that sort of situation where it's just like i've put a lot of time into learning how to play this specific role this specific way and now i can't for this round so uh, maybe should i quit like what's the yeah i don't know uh, team comp all that sort of stuff it's annoying it's annoying someone just wants to jump into a game and play a game and doesn't play with, you know, like if I was playing with friends, then yes, we would all have our roles and we do this and blah, blah, blah. But like, I, I'm i never, that's, I, that is not how I play video games. It is likely never going to be how I play video games. So, um, so stop making them do that. Um, Foam stars is on PlayStation plus right now. Uh, it's only going to be on there this month and then it's going to go up to, I, I believe $30. um, even now, I would be curious to see what the matchmaking times in Foam Stars look like, uh, <clears throat> because in, there's two modes, and I definitely hit a wall in the second mode where it was like this matchmaking is taking a little too long already. And this game just came out; it's gotta feel bad if you spend a lot of time making a game. Like, what are the expectations? Like, you know, when you set out on a project like Foam Stars, that, this would be my, like, like my interview question, I guess, right? Is like when you set out to develop a game like Foam Stars and you kind of like like, are you going into it going like this is going to take the world by storm? This is going to knock some other game out of contention so that there are more people available to play our game instead because it's going to be that good. 'Cause that's the the calculus. That's the math, right? Is they have to go like, okay, like there's a competitive shooter landscape, there's this happening out there, like ours is, you know, a little different, a little less violent, a little more like this, and it, you know, there's a it's got a whole different vibe to it, and that's gonna be how it you know, carves out its its particular niche. Um, people that are that are Splatoon curious but don't own a switch, is that a I, you know what I don't I don't know like I like what I, that would be my curious thing is just like what are you like what are what are we what, what when you go into developing that game when you're making that game you have to believe that right otherwise why would you make it like you know if you're if you're the the leadership of the studio if you're the you know the 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 producer the executive producer if you're the the business people that greenlit the project, all of that sort of stuff. Like, what are, you know, what are your expectations for what it's going to do? Because foam stars is kind of doing about what I thought it would. Right. You know, playing it back in June, I was like, this is, this is better than, than I, you know, it, it seems at first glance. And it is because at first glance, I think it looks pretty bad, but, uh, but it is a solid thing, you know, it's not perfect, it's got issues. Um but it works. It's, you know, it's a it's a different style of of shooter, whatever, whatever, you know. So playing it back in June, I was like, this game is at least different and I am and it made me curious to see how it would ship, what it would ship like, what states it would ship in, blah blah blah. But you know, I'm not not crazy. I'm not sitting there going like, and this is going to take the world by storm, and this is we're all going to be playing Foam Stars and talking about Foam Stars season passes for the years to come. No, right? I mean, no. <laughs> so, and I, and I don't mean to be a, a dick about it, right? I, like I'm, I'm, you know, like you play that game, and you're like, even though this game is all right, like there's a lot of very entrenched competitors in multiplayer gaming space. Whether that's, you know, and, and maybe they're not looking at it that way. Maybe maybe they're going like, well, we're making this lower rated game. Like, you know, in their mind, they're not thinking that someone has to make the choice between like, am I going to play Call of Duty or am I going to play Foam Stars? Um, I'm at a point where I would prefer Call of Duty, and I don't think that Call of Duty is having a particularly great year uh, this year, but but it's still a tested and proven formula that uh, works quite well for what it is. And even if it's a little less exciting this calendar year than it has been in the past, it is still sort of that. So yeah, it, it's maybe they're not looking at it as, as like, we've got to go up against what the literal, one of the biggest games in the world every year, four years, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I, yeah, I just, I, I wonder what those conversations at publishers, look like and you know when you know they have obviously they would have had to have had those conversations a couple of years ago or something when they're like we're gonna make this foam game and you're like really okay you know and is, is because those decisions are being made in japan are they a little less in tune with the worldwide market for shooters and those types of games where they're just looking at it as just like oh, i don't know splatoon seems big and then that's the is that the end of the conversation um Yeah, I I wonder about
1: that, that sort of stuff. But um,
0: as a game, it's okay. You know, the the basic mode, the main mode is you foam a guy up. You shoot a dude with foam until they become a foam ball. And then anytime you pull the left trigger, uh, you get on a surfboard. And if you're surfing on foam, your own team's foam, uh, preferably, you move a lot faster. And so you surf into that ball, and that knocks them, and that kills them, and then they have to respawn and, and all that sort of stuff. If the other team surfs into them first, if their teammates surf into them, that makes the, that saves them. They pop out, and then they they keep they keep fighting. Um, and and eventually there's like a, a protect the VIP aspect to the mode that you know surfaces after eight kills or or whatever it is. Um, and it's functional you know, like you You look at it and you go like yeah yeah you did it you made the thing um like there are aspects of the abilities and ults and stuff like that that i think could be better there's a lot of readability issues where when the foam gets stacked up it really feels like you're just shooting at outlines of silhouettes of characters through a ton of foam and that's always a little weird um but i you know i i, I don't i It's it's a it's a weird game to talk about because like if I'm if I'm reviewing Foam Stars, which I'm not because I would probably put in more time on it, uh, because there's a couple of systems around. um, You can equip some kind of gems or stones or something that'll be like now you do four percent more damage. You know, it's like very minimal, but I haven't seen that system in play, so I can't really speak to it. But but if I'm reviewing that game, it's like a it's like a mid you know it's some kind of mid 6 it's some kind of 3 out of 5 it's some kind of like hey you could do way worse than foam stars it's okay foam stars it's you know hey hey man just go for it it's foam stars you know uh like it's certainly not a bad game uh you might not like it but i but i think like you know they they made that thing it's cohesive enough it works well enough like like all that sort of stuff that you're like yeah there's There's something to this conceptually. It works well enough, but like, but you know, that's not a useful piece of information, especially. It's it's more like, hey, should you invest your time and money in getting good at Foam Stars, knowing that like, because you're definitely gonna have people to play against in six months. Like, no, man, and that's like a self fulfilling prophecy, right? If if I maybe if I you know as a a voice of the people, if I was like everyone's got to play Foam Stars then maybe I could be the guy that helps it catch on. But like, it's, you know, um, but that's not my, that's not my job. Uh, um, so uh, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's sort of a weird one. A lot of other games, you know, the multiplayer stuff, you can kind of, there will be players around, uh, and, and the, the difference in those, some of those conversations around like say fighting games, Is when you have like players, you know, oh, well, there will be players playing Tekken eight for years to come. Will they be players that you, a potentially new player of Tekken eight will want to play against? Absolutely fucking not. But, um, you'll be able to get a game. Is that worse or is that better? I don't know. Like the, the, the legs, the, the tail on multiplayer games is always such a weird one. It's why free to play ends up being kind of a nice idea in some cases, because it means that, you know, there's always a chance that some new player is downloading it. And so potentially you are getting a wider range of skill levels. It's also why it's, it's sometimes important in some of these major franchises, right? There's some of these games that are out there selling million, take a mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat is, is a good example of like, um, if we have to talk about a fighting game that has like a, a fan base that covers a wide range of skill levels, uh, Mortal Kombat, I think, is that game. Because so many people like it for reasons that have nothing to do with high-level competitive play. And so as a result, you'll have people that are checking out the online or you know, that are playing the online that are not great at it. And so you, the likelihood of you finding a player that you're going to have an even match with it lasts a lot longer that window than it does on say on Tekken for sure. If I'm going by how Tekken seven went and, and you know, Tekken eight is still new enough that it's still kind of in that, that early window there. But, um, and, and potentially street fighter, but only, I would only say that with street fighter six because street fighter six seems so much better than five. And I wonder if that's, translating into a wider range of players getting it the modern controls if that's attracting players or not I wonder if it is I wonder if there are players who were just like I wasn't gonna get Street Fighter because I can't throw a fireball and they're like "Ah, yes I'm gonna hmm, now I can or if they're like eh I'm still not good at the thing that you need to do which is use your brain to outfight the other player or you know whatever it is um and so I think you know, Street Fighter ends up being more approachable, for kind of for different reasons than than Mortal Kombat can be. I suppose I don't know. It's a, it's a weird it's it's not perfect science, right? I mean, you know, everyone's going to approach these these different um, these coming from a you know different different places and stuff like that. Whereas, like, yeah, if you're dedicated to if, if and, I, and I'm t- you know I'm talking about the type of player you know, like that you know someone in chat was like, well, you can always learn from a tech and loss, and you can always join a community and go to a website. Fucking no. <laughs> like, yes, okay, sure, I might do that. Um, as someone who is a little deeper into this than most people, but there's plenty of people out there that are going to buy a game, they're going to play, and they're like, ah, oh, fuck that. Like, they're you know, are they going to go look up a website? Are they going to go? Try to fucking, you know, no, if the game is not self-evident, if the, if the game is not evident to, to you as a player, uh, and it doesn't always have th- the greatest means. Though I say I think Tekken 8, in terms of training modes and stuff like that, it's very well done. You're not going to... You're, you're probably not going to go through and jump through those hoops. Even the tools that the, they put into the game itself, you're probably not going to uncover and, and fully and fully uh, pick up on. I don't know. It's, you know, different players kind of approaching it from different, different angles, I suppose. Um, it's just a matter of like, how deep are you into this thing? And when I think about the most casual fighting game players, I think that a lot of them get very scared. They get scared off the servers very easily. And that's been a problem for fighting games. You know, that's the thing that establishes a sales ceiling on a lot of those games. Um, because they play with it for a while and they, it's like, oh, this is a game I can play with my friends. And, uh, you know, if no friends come over, then I don't play the game and, oh, this maybe is not as good of a purchase as I thought it was going to be because maybe they're not coming over as often or blah. blah, blah you know, like, or maybe they're coming over all the time and it's a great purchase, whatever, either way, um, you know it's not it's not necessarily something that like fighting games are not super inviting and that that's kind of been the exciting thing about Street Fighter 6 is they try to make those attempts in new ways um in ways that were you know ideally going to be balanced and fit alongside the the other control schemes and and so on and so forth and so seeing that attempts and seeing them going in that direction I felt was super exciting and Tekken 8 does have its like kind of simple control scheme. I did finally mess with that a little bit. I don't... It's, you know, if you if you get into a... Look, if you're in a match, if you're in a tech and fight with someone who knows how to keep you in the air for over half your health, that is still frustrating to you as a player. And then you stand up and you're like, oops, I guessed wrong, and now I'm in the air again, and I guess that rounds over. Obviously there are things you need to learn and things you need to do well at to do well at Tekken. Of course. Right. I mean, I'm not, you know, this isn't necessarily like I, I, you know, this, I'm not reading the riot Act to Tekken eight here. It's a fucking hell of a game, but I think there's a lot of stuff in there that when people get onto us, when people get online and, uh, just get fucking worked in ways where they're just like i was in the air the whole time i felt like i couldn't even like was i even playing did i even you know like that feeling drives people away from fighting games you know um and uh i think it's it's better when games try to um find better ways to give players the tools to to do better, and Tekken 8 does do some of that, but I, I think at some point the core problem does end up becoming like, hey man, like, and I experienced this with Mortal Kombat 1 during their closed beta of just like, I'm getting worked, and then I'm standing up. My next choice was the wrong choice, and I'm getting worked again for a while, for a lot longer than it feels like I should be. And then, like, then the round's over, and I'm like, I barely, like, I basically made, like, three decisions in that entire round, and they were all wrong. And that was that. That's not a fun thing to do. If you have that persistent, if you, if you know you can do better, if you know, you know, or if you're very dedicated to just, like, I'm going to learn this and get better, then, then you know, obviously. Obviously, that's, that, is, that is the mountain. That is fighting games, is climbing that mountain. But I, I do think there's always more work to be done when it comes to um finding ways to make fighting games more accessible finding ways for to to get more players into fighting games and getting them to understand just why it's such a special and incredible genre yes and that is that is why uh that's why i'm here to talk to you about dive kick What a great video. No, dive kick, you know, like, but, you know, dive kick, but also, um, what rolling thunder, the game that, you know, never came out or, you know, if, if riots fighting game ever comes out, is it, is it going to have some of those kind of concepts in it? But like the, the, the basic idea of, and it's why I think the, the, the modern control schemes of street fighter, um, they help show players what's really going on in a fighting game and that's actually i i will credit i seriously i will i will credit dive kick for turning me into a different type of fighting game player because of that um because for me it was just like i can i know how to execute i know how to do this and i can you know and and i'm gonna just kind of play by feel and not really think about it and i know that there's like i could sit here and i could stare at frame fucking data and and all of this stuff all day long but ultimately I'm just gonna get in here and do shit um and I felt like I didn't have the tools to ever get better it was always just like well
1: lost that one I don't know fuck um
0: in dive kick it's very plainly like you see when you are asked out you see it coming from like a mile away of just like, I press this button and now I'm going to lose. Because I I did I left myself wide open and this person is definitely going to take advantage of that and now I'm fucked. And so you do get to and, and so like trying to apply that to and, and that's I mean, I, I think that mentality has helped me to a certain extent, even in in something like Tekken, where like Tekken for me is is kind of like the wall of just like, okay when people get really good at Tekken, I don't have any fun playing it anymore. Um, but I'm a little bit more persistent now with it. And so as I've been playing Tekken eight, I've been losing fights. I've been just jumping into ranked and just like just saying whatever. And, um, and win or lose, just like get in there. And there are definitely rounds where I'm just like getting fucked and spending the entire round in the air and just going like, I Jesus, I've, I've made a mistake here. But, um, starting to see it, starting to see when it's coming, starting to see like, oh, this, uh, this one was low. This one was high. Okay. Like this is, here's the mix up. Here's what this guy is doing to launch me into the air. If I can just block this hit, it will give me a chance to make another choice. It will give me a chance to, to potentially do something. And if I do the wrong thing and then he, you know, like then, then it's like, okay, well now what? Okay. Okay. Okay, he can change it up with this. What do I do if this happens? What do I do if this happens? And and starting to figure out like where those windows are for, and you know, I, I'm playing as Paul still mostly, which I'm not, I don't know. Paul is fun, but I think Paul is always just, it's such a, he's, he's just kind of a dumb character, but he does have some fun shit, especially in eight. Um, and so it becomes that thing of just like, okay, yeah, okay, now, now I see where this launcher fits into this string. If I can block this part of it, then I can cram my fucking fist through that window and say, fuck you. <laughs> uh, and uh, and that feels real good when you do it. Even when I still go on to lose a round or lose a, a set or, or whatever, you know. there's definitely instances. I've had Tekken 8 matches where now... I feel more like I am watching what's happening and trying to react to it and trying to learn it and trying to pick it apart a little bit as opposed to just like, if I keep doing this fist, eventually something cool is going to happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um,
1: it's a great game. Tekken 8 is a fantastic
0: game. I don't think it's necessarily for everybody, but boy, it's incredible. Sega's got to stop fucking around.
1: We, the, the world, they've got to do it for the culture? There needs to be a new Virtua Fighter. There needs to be a new, fully supported, fantastic Virtua Fighter game. They just...
0: Yeah, they and then what the latest, the latest like a dragon game they put like VF three in it. Great, thanks. The worst one in the franchise. Well, whatever they've, they've put all the other ones in, right? So, um, they need to do it. I I I hope they do. I I hope they do. I hope they make a great new virtual fighter game. I I would love to to see that. Um. You know, playing the, that PS4, you know, Virtual Fighter eSports thing, or what do they call it here? Um, whatever they call that, that last release of, of VF5 that they put out on PlayStation 4. Um, it's great. It's just a great game. VF4 is a, an amazing game. I, I, you know, 2 is great for what it is. It's hard to go back. but I, I think 4 and 5 are incredible games. Um, I, and I, I, I would love to see a new dead or alive at this point too. I think that would be a lot of fun and a new Sonic, the fighters. I mean, you know, let's just go down the list here. Let's get fighting vipers three on the table here. Let's make it happen. Come on. Uh, anyway, it's been a great, uh, it, you know, like the last year and change, for fighting games. I mean, think about it. Like it's really been been pretty amazing with how just how good Street Fighter 6 has been. I, I there's been some fatigue. I, I you know, and I haven't been playing a ton of Street Fighter 6 and and so I don't know if this is necessarily like a widespread opinion, but I've seen a handful of people say that high-level Street Fighter 6 play is really boiling down to um uh, the drive rush stuff and, and that, that everything is, is all just the drive rush over and over and over again. And and that that's, that's maybe not super exciting. Like the idea that like, as you get better and better at street fighter six, that it just becomes like, well, now you have to master, um, how drive rush is going to work and, and, and when to, when to stick your foot in there, uh, and all of that sort of shit. Um, which, yeah, I don't know. Like, that last, I guess it was Evo, right? That was fun to watch there. But, like, if that's the, uh, if that is the, the thing that is defining high-level play, maybe that's, maybe that's a little less than exciting. I don't know. I, 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 I do want to get back into it. I, I haven't had a ton of time um, to, to spend with it lately. But Street Fighter Six, still a hell of a video game. Uh, the other thing, uh, well, hey, I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how we got on the topic of fighting games there for a whole long time, but there you go. Foam Stars is available now. Um, Hell Divers Two is out, and I believe it's functional now. Uh, they had uh, a slightly rough start as the game came out. Uh, there were just, it sounded like there was a whole lot of, uh, you know, matchmaking and server issues and, and, and some of that stuff. So I haven't, I have not played a ton of Helldivers 2. I played through a couple of, of levels of it and then stepped away from it and then went to, to go play it again and it would not connect to a server. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll check this out later. Um... So I haven't, I have not played with other people or, or you know, any of that other stuff. Obviously, that's that's like the thing about Helldivers Divers too. Um, I really like, and I, you know, I played. I feel like I played quite a bit of Hell Divers One, but I just there are aspects of it that I'm, I'm not remembering right or whatever. If this is stuff that was in the first game or not, but but the stratagems of Hell Divers Two, which is like. It's like a little, you know, you, you throw out a, a marker for or for air strikes or, or whatever. They have built this entire system of you tapping things out on the D pad to pick the different things you want to call in, whether you want to call in reinforcements or you need ammo or you need an orbital strike or whatever. It's uh, yeah, that's right. It's the magic. yes. So it's all magica. You're right, yes. Like, that is a f- whole facet of this game, and they don't, unless this is something they, ex- you know, like, like eventually add, um, they don't show that stuff on screen. So it's like, you hold down left bumper, and then tap it out, and you memorize it, and it's this weird, cool system. God, Magicka, I forgot all about magica.
1: um... And they put a little,
0: in, in your lobby area, they put a little machine, a little fake arcade machine in there where it says, you know, like, Stratagem Hero, where it's just like you prick it to practice doing the, the D-pad things over and over again. Dan Stapleton of IGN said, uh, it was on Blue Sky, saying, oh man, all those people with all those macro keyboards are fucking, you know, living large now. And I thought, like, oh man, I should do that. Um just map all the strategy because i've got uh what do i have one two three four five six seven eight i have eight different programmable macro keys here it does it'll show it'll show in the top left when you okay because i I know it'll show some of that stuff in the uh in the introductory missions and stuff like that but okay uh but yeah you could just program all those taps into your keyboard and then just tap a button to do it which is kind of fun um
1: It's a cool
0: co-op game. Sorry, there's, there's people here doing stuff. Currently uh, bolting trim onto a window here uh, while also replacing other. other I, said, I mentioned it at the top of the show. There's a lot of the windows in this house uh, either leak water or wind, and uh, neither of those are great things for windows to do so uh we're getting them replaced this is when windows get expensive we are not replacing all of the windows in the house because i am not made of fucking money um anyway <laughs> uh hell divers 2 has the the starship troopers vibe to it um and i love the the, the game, like you are from Super Earth. And you are trying to spread managed democracy across the universe. And it's uh It's funny, it's a lot. I I I like the 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 like we're here for you. The the like fucking democracy, yes. Like the the way that they um uh, the the way that they present the like incredibly crazy jingoistic style of like you know spreading spreading managed democracy across the the system uh, it's like it's crazy over the top it's a lot of fun but like you know you're just like some badass in a cape like the first of the the tutorial is you earning your cape and becoming a hell diver and And you know you you're listening to your lieutenant sergeant whatever the the your commanding officer who is just full on you know you got to get out there you know, he's 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 a that's a bad imprep you got to get out there that's what he says um But yes, all of the constants talk about democracy and, you know, saving everyone with, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a little much at times. I, I love it. I, I really do love that aspect of the game, but there's definitely like aspects of it where I'm just like, man, I'm just, I'm tired of I'm tired. <laughs> the last several years have left me so tired when it comes to discussions of democracy and the, the aspects of just like, I can see that from here now. Ha <laughs> This is funny. Uh, it was funny when, you know, starship troopers did it. And even back then they were just like, well, you know, there's a little, you know, there's a little bit of that happening right now. Now these days it's, you know, it's maybe a little further down that. I don't know. It's a little further down that road. And you're just like, ah, I'm so tired. <laughs> I'm so tired, man. Um, but it, it is fantastic. That's, that aspect of the game is, is, is really well done. Um, and and I, I can't wait to play more of it. I mean, that, that's honestly, that, that is the, my takeaway from it so far, is last time I tried to play it is that the servers were down. They have patched the game a couple of times and kind of apologized for, uh, for a lot of the early woes the game has had they said like hey uh, we're going to we got a patch coming but we got to get some fucking sleep first jesus christ so you know they they've they got some patches out it seems like the game is running a whole lot better uh right now uh than it was a couple of days ago and so um so you know i it doesn't seem like it's an ongoing issue but yeah it seemed like it was it was sort of a problem some crashes both on playstation uh and on pc as well I don't know if I don't I don't know if they fully ironed that stuff out but it seems like it's in slightly better shape than it was. Um I just my my worry about that game is that it ends up being a little mindless uh but like I could go for mindless right now. Like I I'm I'm just in a the the game I've been looking for. I was talk I was posting about this on co-host the other day. I want a dumbass video game. I want a late 90s early 2000s just generic as shit third person shooter without a cover system I want to stand I want to stand in a hallway and then just use the right stick to look down the hallway even though my character is standing in a situation where that character would never be able to even see down the hallway you know what I mean I want a fucking silenced pistol that makes the movie fucking Noise when you know when you pull the trigger, just like dumb spy something like maybe there's some stealth stuff, maybe there's not, but maybe there's you know, maybe there's objectives, or maybe I just got to get to the end and hit the button. I just, I just want the. And, and like even something like like ma- siphon filter is kind of close to it, but siphon filter kind of has a few too many options. You know, not Alpha Brodo. I'm not looking for like a role playing game. I don't want to go to a menu and level up. I'm saying like in level four, fucking you gotta get to the end of it and uh, shoot all these people with your silenced pistol, or you know maybe you'll find a machine gun. You know, like um. And I couldn't think of a good game that that fit the description. I was thinking of like VIP for the PlayStation 1 based on the hit television show. But I think that's a little too much Melee. Um, yeah, someone suggested Winback. But someone suggested Mission Impossible, which came out on the N64 and the PlayStation 1. And I think that is going to be the game I'm going to play. <laughs> I think I'm going to fire up the PS1 version of... Fucking mission. No, not Goldeneye. I said third person. Also, fuck Goldeneye. Um, like Splinter Cell is kind of close to it, but Splinter Cell in some ways is a little too good. Um, I just want like.
1: Just brain dead
0: video game. You know, and, and, and this is not the same type of game. It doesn't fit it in the same way, but um, the Beverly Hills Cop game for PlayStation 2. That game's too bad. That game is, is actually too shitty to, to make to make it work because it's terrible. It's straight up terrible. But like I, I have been, I don't know, like, like Helldivers kind of actually scratches some portion of that itch. Helldivers is a little overly complicated, uh, for, for what I'm looking for in some ways. Like I am looking for something that they literally don't make anymore. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, I'm not, yeah, mission impossible. Yeah. Suicide squad kind of got me thinking about it a little bit. Also of just like, just some generic third person shooting. And I want it to kind of be garbage, which suicide squad hmm, fits some parts of that bill. But it's not, you know. Again, it's, it, I don't. I'm not. Gonna, I don't want to go into menus and look at fucking numbers and go like, "Is this pistol better than this pistol? Is this is this one better than this one? Is it, the arrows are going up on this one?" But I gotta look at all the uh, the bonuses and the fixes and you know, is this actually a better gun? I just those systems have their place for sure, but I, I just. Yeah, I don't know. Like if for someone who you know, like I, I've loved Borderla- Borderlands, like the the looting and shooting video games of your. Uh, I love the idea, for sure. Um, and I have I have loved games in that John, but that's something you know like I, I messed around a little bit more with with Suicide Squad over the last week, and it's so not it it is it is just it is so not a good one of those uh like the the loot is fucking terrible the combat anyway whatever i'm not going to go over suicide squad yet again other than to say like yuck um the more time i spend with that game the worse it seems is what i would say about suicide squad um So, yeah, I'm still looking for that game. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to try Mission Impossible on PlayStation 1 because I think that's... uh, Multiple people have said Freedom Fighters, but Freedom Fighters is too good. Freedom Fighters is an amazing game. Freedom Fighters has squad tactics. You order your guys around, you do all that stuff, and that's not... I'm not looking for a game with systems. I'm not looking for a game where they're like, we got a whole system for squad stuff and you can do this. I'm looking for you shoot those guys and then you've got a dodge roll. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, Tomorrow Never Dies for PlayStation 1. Is that a... Th- there, yeah, there's a... Bond. Man, what was the, there was one really great EA Bond game that might actually fit the bill. I can't remember exactly which one it is. Army of two army of two is very dumb, but army of two is, is man. Army of two is all systems. Army of two is like, uh, aggro systems and, um, drawing aggro from person to person and going like, I picked the gold gun because it gets aggro more easily. And then as I'm pulling aggro, my partner does the shooting and then the killing because I'm the one getting you know, like Army of Two is, is you know, and then they got those back-to-back sequences. Like, Army of Two is all gimmicks and systems and, and all of that sort of stuff. Um, so, it's, it's not a... Max Payne 2 is maybe, like, a good... Yeah, yeah, Dead to, yeah, Dead to Rights. Maybe Dead to Rights is the game for me. I remember not liking Dead
1: to Rights very much at all hmm vanquish vanquish is too good
0: vanquish is too good uh also too new like i feel like i'm looking specifically for something that is gonna be like you know the ps2 generation or older uh stranglehold might be a little too systems heavy too uh there's just maybe a little too much going on anyway the other game i messed with over the last seven days is called Grand Blue Fantasy Relink. And it seems cool. It seems like it's doing well on Steam. They, they, I think they announced that they had uh, sold a million copies of it. Um, it is a third-person character action game. Um,
1: and... Uh,
0: I'm looking forward to, I guess it opens up in a way where you can pick different characters, but I I have not, I've not played super, I've not, I've not gotten, I got to the first town, and then had a problem where my controller stopped working, and uh, was forced to switch to the mouse and keyboard, which at least got me into the menus where I could save it and close it, um, you know, the Grand Blue Fantasy Versus is, is a really great looking game. And it's nice to see like some of those characters and, and like some really great visual style brought to a game like that. Uh, and uh, the character you start with seems very straightforward. My understanding is that once you kind of get into different characters, like, you know, I, I've heard multiple people try to compare it to Fantasy Star Online. In terms of some of the characters in combat and a little bit of that, I'm like, yeah, okay, I, I kind of, yes, I see where people are getting at when they, when they say that the dude with the gun is fun to play with for a very specific reason. Um, but you kind of roll with a squad in that game. And so you have your, you know, you eventually build up your attacks and um, pop off your supers And you can decide if you want the AI characters to just pull their supers whenever or if you want to save them up because it's got this big crazy moment where if you all do your supers at the same time, it chains together and you get big anime flashes and character faces on screen. And it's a very cool uh, moment. Um, Actually, I think even the opening of that game uh, where it's just like, you know, you're on a fucking... A floating boat. You're in a boat in the air. You know, like like all the cool role-playing games be doing. I was watching it. I was watching the opening cutscenes. And you see the airship rise up from beneath the clouds. And it's very beautiful. But at the same time, I'm just like, man... What a terrible idea. Why would you build... Why would you take a boat that looks like it should be in the water... And is shaped like it belongs in the water... And instead of sales, you just put a fat blimp on top of it. Like, this thing is terrible. Why does this thing... There's no way. This th- this is the most unreasonable vehicle I have ever seen. And then throughout that introductory moment, throughout the tutorial of that game, a fucking dragon breaks loose and fucks your ship up super bad. And I'm looking at it going, see? See? this, See what I mean? See, this is how it fucking happens. What happens when you take a wooden boat in the fucking air? Dragons are going to burn that fucking thing. Stupid? What are you, dumb? Um. And it was glorious to watch. Also, though, at the same time, if the dragon had just attacked like a slightly different way, it's wood. It's wood. The boat is made of wood and it's in the air. Just burn it. Just. Just burn it, man. Um. So what I'm saying is that airship technology needs to be upgraded to be safer for the people on and board. Uh, you know, some uh, in in that I don't want to you know in the introductory cutscene, a you know, handful of characters fall off the side of the airship, and no one goes like, "Let me get the hook that we have specifically to save people when this happens." And and like I was like, "Oh, okay." I would have thought that they maybe would have invested ever so slightly in some kind of safety measure but instead it's just like yeah dog they fell off the boat we got to land the boat and see if they're okay i don't know um and they are but which is you know silly but it's anime um anyway uh thank you for tuning into airship thoughts uh they're still they're stupid they yeah would they shouldn't they have parachutes instead of a tiny dragon that tries to catch them and flaps his tiny little wings and can't save them because He's a tiny little dragon. I would think that you, I would think that you would think about that. I would think if you were like, we're going on a grand airship adventure to the edge of the world. What's there? We're pretty sure there's monsters. Okay. All that dragon would have to do is get under the boat. If you got under it, it's done. Maybe they've got a gun that sticks out the bottom, you know, but like, there are so many different ways to fuck up a blimp attached to a boat. Uh, the, <laughs> it's just it's the most fucked design. Like, I got people are just like the armor on this lady doesn't look like it would be very protective. I'm talking airships. I'm with you on that. But also airships are even stupider. Safety, safety first in the, air, the world of airships. I want to see a realistic airship simulator where they start with those things and then go like, it was cool when you invented airships by attaching a blimp to a boat because that's all we had. That's great. That's a great idea. When you said, what if we put a, a blimp on this boat and it could fly? I think that's a great idea. That's really cool. We can do better. We should probably figure out ways to do better because these fuckers, they burn up real good. They don't stay in the air real good. So we should figure out a way to, you know, probably make them a little more aerodynamic. I don't know. They feel like they could cut through the air a little bit better than this and be maybe a little bit more nimble than a boat that we have attached a, a, a blimp to. I, you know, maybe.
1: Maybe. It's
0: crazy. Um, anyway, Grand Blue uh, Fantasy Relink, uh, it's, it's a very nice looking game. Like I said, I, I had trouble with it, uh, on the PC where it just, it locked out my controller completely and that was, uh, incredibly annoying. So I have to go back to it and, uh, and spend a little more time with it, but, uh, that's it for video games. They're over. Let's talk about the news. Attach a blimp to a house or something. While you're at it. Why not? A house blimp. Xbox is changing. How? We think we know. We don't quite know. We don't have the official word just yet. We will as of Thursday. Uh, Last week, Microsoft announced uh, that that they heard you... And that they are going to have some announcements about the updates of... Uh, a business update about the future of the Xbox business. That is going to happen Thursday on a podcast. They, I guess they, they, they do have a regular podcast. Uh, they are going to have uh, Phil Spencer and Sarah Bond and Matt Booty on a podcast to talk about the future of Xbox. This is, of course, in the wake of... Um, all of these reports about uh, multiple Xbox games appearing on other platforms, such as the PlayStation and the Switch. We we're, we think we know that Hi-Fi Rush is coming because there's data in the latest patch of that game that has t-shirts that seem like they are built to be uh, used in a PlayStation and Switch version of that game. Um and then there's been a handful of rumors about other games ranging as wide as, you know, something like Sea of Thieves, Gears of War, Starfield, like, you know, a number of games have kind of come up, uh, along the way here. This then, as these stories started hitting, it led to you know, maximum meltdown in the Xbox fanboy community, which is, um, you know, whatever, um, but it led to enough like there's just, there's been enough questions and enough like happening around the edges of that where you're just like, I I don't like what, what the hell's going on over there? And so they, they said last week we were going to have something next week. And then now this week, Monday, yesterday they they announced, Hey, we're going to have a podcast where we're going to, where we're going to get in there and, and, and talk about what the heck's going on. Um, separately from that, uh, Shannon Liao, uh, has confirmed or is reporting rather that there was a meeting, an internal meeting last Tuesday where Phil, Sp- Phil Spencer told employees, this is just quoting directly from, uh, her, uh, sub stack, uh, called updater. The company held an internal Tuesday town hall where Spencer told employees that there were no plans to stop making consoles and that Xboxes would continue to be part of a strategy that involves multiple kinds of devices. Xbox did not immediately return a request for comment. Um, and yeah, of course. I mean, but you know, so, so that has kind of been the only, I think, new information uh, or or the kind of the, the only thing that seems like uh, like a proper update on some of this stuff is this internal meeting because you know, the, like a, as the word was spreading of this, I think there was a little bit of hand wringing from people internally that that didn't know what was going on, that saw that there was going to be an announcement next week, and they're like, we don't even know what the hell is in the announcement next week. Are we even, you know, are we even staying in this business? Which I, I think is a little bit like like I talked about last week. I, I think there's. There's a lot of like sky is falling type of stuff around this that just doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, it would be ridiculous at this point for Microsoft to get out of the video game business or to get out of the hardware business, even. Um, could the types of hardware that they create change down the line? Sure. I, we, we talked about this for like an hour last week. I recommend if you want to, if you really want to deep dive into this stuff. Go listen to last week's show um, where I, I kind of went blow by blow through a lot of it and talked about like what are some things that Microsoft could be doing. But like the the odds of them getting out of Xbox hardware have to be insanely low because so much of their games business is built on Game Pass being a thing. And even if Game Pass is not growing at the rate that they hoped it would, and even if growth that growth has stalled out a little bit... It is too much money for them to walk away from. So the very idea that, you know, and, and this is, you know, people going like, I'm getting rid of my Xbox and I, like all this dramatics online. Like, And this extended to some really fucked up shit. Um, Like I started seeing a lot of like, and it just made me realize how terrible social media is right now for the spread of news. It, it's it's it's. Think about how bad the situation was when the always online Xbox one stuff was getting around, right? Which is something they did kind of announce and then walk back, but they, they announced it in a way that even they weren't, they didn't seem sure what the situation was because it was still coming together or whatever it was. But it was like always online and you're like, okay, well, what if, so what if someone's in a log cabin for a week or what if someone's here for a, what's, what's the situation there? Are they like, Oh, we'll, we'll have a solution for that. We'll have a solution. Will we have a solution? Like there was so much confusion around that. But even when they walked it back and said, "Hey, we're just making a regular ass console," sorry, fuck, dude. Um, that word never spread. And so I had situations back then, or even just like a year later, where I was getting into cabs and be we like, "What do you do?" Like I do video games. Like oh, I didn't get an Xbox because you always got to be on the internet. I'm like, wow, okay. Like, it's a full year later, and this guy literally said he didn't buy an Xbox because of this, which is not actually true. So, whatever. That was bad then. That impacted them for sure. Um, I have seen so many, like, whether it's like TikTok videos or just like various things on different social media that are the most sensationalistic and almost certainly untrue headlines being used to promote these videos to pull people in and, and it's it's people going like breaking news, Xbox is getting out of the hardware business and then like it's a three minute video on TikTok of some guy going like and they're doing this and they're doing that and they're going to get rid of this and reports are saying that it... and I'm just like going <sighs>
1: Okay. All right. Take a deep breath. Um, it's crazy the number of
0: people that are reporting things like that as fact. Um, when it is, I I I think that is basically impossible at this point. I will allow a some small percentage chance of just like, hey, maybe things are really crazy and they are gonna, but. I think when we look at the way they're announcing this stuff and the, the, some of the things that they're, you know, kind of some of the hands being tipped right now about how this announcement is rolling out uh, just isn't, you know, that's that seems even less likely than it did three days ago um, that they would get out of the hardware business. It's just stupid. Um, you know, is, could there could there be some scenario where five years down the line they get out of the hardware? business? sure absolutely could they be slowly winding down anything is possible but are they going to are they going to like turn on a podcast on Thursday and be like that was a good run guys uh, you'll have access to game pass for as long as you got it and then i don't know uh no um and it's so it's it's really crazy to me to see how uh, you know because th- this is that's my world right this is the thing that i um, that I do pay a lot of attention to, uh, obviously misinformation on the internet has been an increasing problem for, uh, years now in ways that are far worse and more dramatic and, and more damaging to the real world than, you know, Xbox consoles. Sure. But, um, but seeing this happen that way, where you just see these people just straight up spouting absolute bullshit just full on like that's not even close to like even if you think that that's the thing they're going to announce it is being presented as this, like this is a done deal this is fact they're they're done they're getting out of hardware that's it no more xbox hey guys there's no more xbox is the, is the sort of, that's the sort of shit that they're putting out there um and that's just that's wild that's it's 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 wild to see that sort of stuff what are they going to announce? That's the the question we've we've kind of moved on to. Um, at this point, we do have the internal. what well, okay. Uh, just, I as a further aside here, someone in chat just said gaming journalism is in a super sad state. These are just dudes. This is not like an outlet. It's not like IGN making these videos. It's not. Uh, you know, games radar making these videos. It's like some guy going like, I've got, I'm here with the latest gaming news.
1: Um, it's, it's like super
0: irresponsible reporting. Um, it's not, I, I hesitate to even call it reporting. It's more like it just, it, at some point it crosses over and seems more like a grift. Um, And it's a bummer. But uh, anyway, what are they going to say on Thursday? I, I like the situation seems kind of grim in a way. Um, but I don't think that what they're going to announce is going to matter. It, like, it, you know, like I think that people are going to come out of this. Um, I suspect people will come out of this podcast with like even more conspiracy theories. Because I don't think that what they're going to say will address 100% of the shit that's been flying around. Um, because I don't think that it's worth addressing all of the shit that's been flying around. And also, I don't think they'd be ready to to really talk, speak fully about some of that stuff. So it's it's the the things have gone so weird and big and and with stakes like oh they're getting out of hardware and 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 all of this sort of stuff that even if they get in front of people and say we're not getting out of hardware you will still have some people that will be like well that's what they're saying today you know um and then you will have some people that go they backpedaled because we were angry yeah like no this is they're moving forward with plans that they've you know probably been looking at for quite some time now. Um, so I look at it as why, why would they do a podcast? Why would they, you know, they're, they're branding this as like, hey, it's a special episode of our existing podcast with the, the leadership team on it, and they're going to talk to you about the future of Xbox. It's not, here's the Xbox business update, and it's a 45-minute stream, and we're going to cover this. You know, like when, when they normally do their Developer directs or whatever the sorts of things that they that when they when they have like big announcements or whatever the the sorts of formats that they tend to use. This isn't one of those, and so to me that says uh, a couple of things. One, they needed something they could get done fast. Um, and two, they don't necessarily have a ton to show. That's my my guess because if they had a lot to show, you know, a podcast to me says, and it is going to be on YouTube. It is a video uh, for, as well, so I, you know. It, it, but it is you know an audio podcast. Uh, also, um, if they had a bunch of footage of like here's Hi-Fi Rush running on a Switch, here's Sea of Thieves, here's Gears of War running on a PlayStation, you know, like if they were if this was like some big rollout, and it was like here's our big near few future. Like this would have the look and feel of a press conference. This would have a, a press briefing, you know, they would they would give it a different label. And so to me, this says that they were like, Okay, we have to address this stuff. Like it wasn't it was just gonna be a quick kind of announcement with maybe like a little bit of context around the new strategy, but now because of the way this is blown up, because of the way it leaked, because of all the the shit that's out there now. They do have to find a way to address it. A podcast gives them a lower production value way to address it, right? Because it's like let's just sit down on our set, wherever we do the, you know, and like I, I will admit to not having seen the Xbox podcasts lately. Um, and so I don't know what their exact format is these days. But at the end of the day, yeah, it's like it's a couch set or something. They sit down, they talk. They're done, and that to me says, yeah, that they wanted a quick way to address it, which I think they have waited a really long time. I think the idea of them saying we'll have something next week and then that being Thursday, with how weird, like, the, the, I th- I think that a lot of the a lot of this has become very dire. A lot of the like, it's just the again, it, it's it's vibe type stuff, which is hard to report on. But it's just it. It makes it seem very negative right now. But yes, for a company the size of Microsoft, uh, that is probably a, like a very fast turnaround for them. Of just like, okay, what do we got? What what's the information we have to get out there? So they have to they have to spend time going like, okay, what are we revealing? What are we going to say about this? We know what the plan is, but we don't have um, we don't have a ton of footage. You know, this isn't like a a, a full on rollout of. Uh, of these games on multiple platforms this isn't some big press conference worthy thing but we do have to discuss it we do have to contextualize the leaks that have happened and give people kind of the the mindset as to why we're doing this and and you know why we're doing it now and, and and whatever else so i i look at it as like they will address it in as minimal a way as they can it's not something that's probably going to have a ton of footage to support it um and i think they will attempt to present it as a frank conversation with the leadership of xbox now a frank conversation presenting it that way versus it actually being that way and you know like this is a message they have to get right this is something that they will they will have spent a lot of time especially by giving themselves a week or so to, to work on this, they will have spent as much time as they possibly can to make sure that they are getting the messaging right. And maybe they'll still screw it up. I don't know. But, um, but I think it will end up being something as simple as just like, yeah, uh, yes. Like I, like I said last week, I think that there is sort of a, there is the ongoing conversation around getting people to play, getting more people to play games. And that was a strategy that they used around X Cloud and the, the Xbox streaming service and, and, and doing all of that different stuff to say, like, hey, we're, we're doing, uh, we, we want a billion people playing our games. You know, it's the same conversation that we want a billion machines running Windows. We want, you know, like the, the big Microsoft, like we want all of, we want as many people as possible to be able to play our games. Everybody wins when everybody can play. That's not the, whatever the, you know what I mean? Um, and so I suspect that when they do get up there in front of people, they will spin this as being part of that ongoing strategy of just like, as we've been doing this, we, you know, Hey, we've, we've come to realize that the, the, we don't really like exclusives. We think that they are harmful for the industry, you know, you know, they need to go light on that because they will eventually go back on it. Um, some situation will eventually come along and be like, all right, well, exclusive. Um, but it'll be that sort of ongoing conversation trying to tap into things that they have said along the way around wanting to get more people to play games. And they will say like, as a result of that, we've decided to bring a limited number of our games and franchises to other platforms. And I believe that my belief is that they will stick to mostly like, let's call it low stakes reveals, right? Like hi-fi rush. I think it's tremendous that that game come to more platforms. More people should play it. Um, I think that Pentiment is the the other game that kind of surfaced over the weekend as like, as as someone suddenly going like, well, Pentiment's definitely coming to Switch. Like, okay. It should. More people should have the opportunity to play Pentiment. It did not resonate super hard with me, but it is a super high quality thing uh, that people loved. Um... And then maybe you throw in I, I, I would throw in Starfield. Like I, I would say if you gotta pick one bigger game. Personally, I would throw in Starfield, but that is uh very reflective of my feelings on Starfield. And so if their feelings are a little different on that, then maybe that would be uh one that they would not uh reveal. But I, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily come out and say like what we think of as the classic Xbox first party franchises like a gears. Um, I might be like, eh, we'll hold off the gears of war announcement for another few months here or something like that. Um, or yeah, maybe sea of thieves subs in for pentiment or something like that. And, and that ends up being, you know, like, but if if they got up there and they said, Hey, we're bringing, we're, we're going to on a case by case basis, evaluate our library and see what makes sense to bring to other platforms. Uh, And today we can say, today we can say, hey, uh, it's going to be Hi Fi Rush and Sea of Thieves. I think that's like a a good starting point that confirms the news, confirms some of the rumors without without going whole hog on it. Because I don't think, even, even if their long term plan. Even if they're looking at numbers and and saying like, hey, long-term, we intend to bring just about everything to other platforms. I don't think they necessarily have to get into that right now. I think if they just get out there and say, this is on a case-by-case basis, we are looking at these sorts of games. And of course, we're evaluating, you know, there's been a lot of games going around and we're evaluating all of those. We have nothing to announce at this time. Um... And then, but, but if you're asking me, do I think Starfield is definitely going to make it over to other platforms eventually? I 100% believe that that will be the case at this point. Um, and I think that the games that, cause I, I just, you know, I think from a visibility perspective, I think, you know, that game still feels like a Bethesda game and it, while they are owned by Microsoft, all the other stuff, it, it just, uh, it, it doesn't. It doesn't fit into the kind of core Xbox franchise model the way that some of the older... You know, like, it would be weirder for me if they said Forza was coming to PlayStation 5. You know what I mean? Um, Whereas I think Starfield coming to PlayStation 5 makes a ton of sense. They should do that. They should. And not do it day and date. Um, Which, obviously, they're not. But but I think Starfield would make a ton of sense probably because some of that work has already been done. Uh, and it makes sense for them to want to get as many sales of that game out as they possibly can, you know? So I think that doing it as a podcast ends up setting the stakes a little bit lower. It ends up lowering the production requirements on their end to make it something they can put together a little bit more quickly because a podcast can be pictures of people's faces. It doesn't have to be slick edited with footage of games. And you know, the way a press conference, the way the expectations of a press conference are, I think if they got up there and said, here's our business update, it's going to be this many minutes. And, and then you, and then the scene opened and it was like three people sitting on a couch. I think that that would have four people. And probably there they will probably be a host, I would assume. Um, I think that would look weird, but I think by getting out in front of it and saying it's here's, it's going to be a special episode of our podcast. It helps kind of almost downplay it a little bit. And I think that that kind of probably helps them set some expectations on, on what this reveal, what this, what this news ends up being. um, And then, I don't know, there were, you know, a bunch of weird talk about what's the next Xbox going to look like? Are they going to make a handheld device? And, you know, there's people that have been out there on the record saying that they think that there will absolutely be a handheld Xbox at some point. And, you know, what does that mean? There's been other people kind of coming to some of the same conclusions that I have along the lines of, you know, what if the Xbox was more open, like a proper PC, as opposed to a closed off console? um and then some additional talk saying that the surface team was perhaps going to be developing the next Xbox which i i don't know uh the the bit from the internal meeting let me pull that up again and just reread it here um from updated uh, xboxes would continue to be part of a strategy that involves multiple kinds of devices is the the phrase and that's not a direct quote from the meeting, but that's the phrase that is, is used here. And I, I do think that, you know, they've said as much around like, Hey, we want to, we want to help windows. You know, we want to help build windows into something that will run better on these handheld devices, like the ROG ally and, and the, the Lenovo Legion go, um, and so that's already work that they were on the record as saying they would like to do. And so I think doing that work makes a ton of sense. And then I think once you do that work, you pull it into a console at some point, too. Because why not? Why not just make that your console
1: if you get it good enough? Um,
0: that seems very straightforward. And then, you know, and then eventually you do a... A streaming focused device, which there's been plenty of rumors that, you know, we know that they've prototyped streaming focused devices uh, specifically for use with uh, Xbox game streaming. I just I still call it X cloud. I can't remember what the actual name for it is. Xbox game pass streaming. Anyway. Um. I suspect that though that ends up being the end. So I think people going into this expecting like all will be revealed and, and then it's going to be like a three minute trailer of gears of war two running on a PlayStation five or something like that. Like I don't, I, I don't think it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be that Xbox cloud gaming is the official name of that now. Okay. that yes, that makes sense. Um, GameSpot had a report uh pegging the sales ratio of uh PlayStation Fives to Xboxes at two to one, which I feel like some of the reporting from before that had been closer to three to one, uh which is interesting, but it still is not a not a great ratio. Not a great ratio. Um And so we'll see. I don't know. Like I said, I think that there's a, there's a real negative cloud around this stuff right now. And I, I don't think that I, I had a quick, I, I I won't get into the specifics of this cause it's just like, it's a quick email from, you know, uh, I emailed someone over there to say, Hey, if there's going to be any interview, I, I would like to, you know, I'm gonna, um, get in on that. um, and the reply got you know like, like like the the i don't necessarily get the impression that internally this is something that is being viewed as some huge negative um but i don't i don't really know what the i don't know anyway i i guess that's it's i i, I don't think that this is going to be them running away from consoles obviously you know we have the the internal report of the meeting saying that they are going to stay in the hardware business I think there are more opportunities than ever to offer different types of hardware. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm even back on board. Like, the Steam Deck has made me a believer in that form factor for PC and console games, you know, at least as long as it's on an open machine. The thing I don't necessarily want is a closed, you know, walled garden kind of system. Um, like, if it was... Here's our handheld Xbox, and it only plays Xbox games, and you can't really, you know, do much else with it. Eh. But a device I can tinker with and fuck around with, that's exciting. So, like, when you know, the Switch 2 is exciting because it's Nintendo's... Software output getting a a visual bump, getting a getting a access to more power. That's interesting to me, but it's it's still this closed up soft system that you're going to use to play first party Nintendo games, and maybe you'll play third party games for the first year or so, and then they will continue to have. they will eventually be back in the weird hole they're always in with, with third parties and, and stuff like this. Galactic Cat in the chat says Xbox made $16.28 billion in 2021 and $15.56 in 2022. Why would they ever stop this? It seems very strange to kill off a multi-billion dollar enterprise because it doesn't make as much as Sony. Yes, that's exactly my point. They're not killing it off. Why would they kill it off? Why would they stop making Xboxes? They won't. They will continue to make Xboxes. They're going to... Tr- they're looking for ways to make more money and also making 16 billion or 15 billion might not be in line with what the company wants them to be making. And it might not be profit. I don't know. Is that overall revenue or is that just straight up profit? I don't think that's profit. I'd have to go look. Um, and so again, we have to consider Microsoft's long legacy in Various types of businesses where they uh, they want to be the leader in a category and they want to see a pathway to be a leader in a category. And if they don't see a pathway to be a leader in a category, then they need to decide if that's a category they want to be in. Or what other changes they can make. And so these are changes that they're going to make. And I don't think the changes they're going to make like, like long term, like no one's going to care. The impact this will have on people buying Xboxes is not outweighed by the impact people already are having by not buying Xboxes. So at the end of the day, I look at it as what we're, we're a third of the way to halfway through this generation of hardware, depending on how you count. And if someone tries to, you know, do something funky, um, the die has been cast. As Phil Spencer said, you know, he's not going to out-console Sony or Nintendo, especially at this point in the game. Back when Redfall was released, I believe, is when he said something along those lines. Like, this is not a situation where, like, if they just had three more games out and they were really good, they would outsell the PlayStation. Like, no, you know, like, people have made their choice. Third-party game sales are going to happen on the PlayStation for the rest of this generation. Um. And maybe next time around things go differently. You know how this business works. Fucking people flip on a fucking dime when things go weird. So, hey, anything is possible next time around. We don't really know what the go-forward plan for Xbox hardware is. Um, But at the end of the day, if you're looking at what are you going to do right now, you're going to look at your strategy and go, okay, well, the Game Pass strategy got us this far. It does not get us where we need to be, though. And so what else are we going to do? To further our goal. Of stacking chips. Of getting that cream. We need this cheddar. We, we, we have all this Fetty. Holmes. But we need more.
1: Um, and so they're
0: going to make some changes. Uh, and I think that, that makes a ton of sense. With where they're at right now. And I think that from a mainstream player perspective, from the people who are not plugged into this, like, remember, there are millions of people who own Xboxes or PlayStations that don't know jack fuck about any of this and won't. And they'll see Sea of Thieves come out on a PlayStation and they'll be like, okay. And then they'll buy it. A game that they maybe have never even heard of, like Hi-Fi Rush, will come to their platform and maybe they'll buy it. This isn't something that's, you know, I, I, if Xbox comes back with a compelling hardware story next time around, I think that they will have a shot at selling consoles, just like everyone always does at the start of a generation. I don't think that this is something that does lasting damage to Xbox's chances in the market. People like this is going to kill the Xbox. This is going to, you know, they've already been bringing their games to PC. You already don't have to buy an Xbox. Um and I'll tell you, as someone who's been playing most of their first party output on PC, it's fucking awesome. It's fan fucking tastic to be able to play these games with at a higher resolution, at a higher frame, you know, like all of the stuff. Um it's great. They should make consoles for
1: people that want those for sure. Um
0: but it's been real nice to not play Xbox games on an Xbox. And so I, you know, it's, it's hard to get too worked up about it. Because you have people that are just like, like coming up with all of these insane scenarios where they're just like, hey, no, what, what you don't understand. What people are really worried about is if Xbox gets out of the hardware business, then the, oh, their, their back catalogs and digital libraries will all be gone. And like, I... That's not an argument that people are, that's not a thing that's likely to happen at any point uh, in the very near future. And if that is something that does happen, that will happen even if Microsoft is still making Xboxes. Remember that backwards compatibility is something that happens because they can do it. If suddenly, like, you know, there was some big technological innovation that led to a, the rise of a new architecture, and that architecture happened to be perfect for making video game consoles, everyone would migrate to that. And if that made machines harder to, you know, it made, if it made backwards compatibility harder to achieve, they would still go like, yeah, cool, man, whatever. Or they would try to do what they could do around uh, the edges of just like, well, we moved over to ARM. But uh, we're still going to try to develop. We got this shim in place. It's going to, we're going to try to make it. So some of your, it would be like the 360 situation all over again, where only a handful of games. It's a big handful, but it's not the full, the full library, but only some games will run. They would do that again in a heartbeat. If it made sense to change architectures, the backwards compatibility stuff is great. And I love it. But at the same time, it's not a primary feature of any of these devices. It's a thing they do because they can. And it's a thing that helps make that transition nice. And so in that one-year period, two-year period of both platforms being kind of around, you know, I think about that slow transition of PS4 to PS5, you know, and like, like some of that. It makes sense right in there. And then once you get out of that window and new games are rolling out on a regular basis, eh, it doesn't get talked about. It doesn't get thought about quite as much. So I, you know. They would throw that shit out in a, in a minute if it made sense for their business model. So, what I'm saying is, I think it's entirely possible that backwards compatibility goes away someday, even if there are still new Xboxes coming out. And so it becomes a situation where, like, you know, you can still hook up an Xbox 360 and still get your downloaded games. Like, that stuff still works. They're shutting off the ability to buy that stuff, right? Or at least buy it on the console. Um, and we talked about some of the reasons why that might be on a previous episode, so I, I won't rehash the whole thing again. But um, but yeah, I, I don't think that that argument really holds water about like, if they get out, then all your games will be gone. It's like, that's just more doomsday, sky is falling type stuff out of people that are trying to connect dots that are not there. And... Would they get out of biz- get out of the hardware business? Maybe. You know, if if the PC made sense for them, is it better? I don't, I don't think Microsoft gets out of the gaming business because, the, you know, they've been in the gaming business longer than there's been an Xbox. Um, but I don't think that the arguments that people are coming up with around this stuff as, as to why it's such a horrible thing, I, I don't think that that's something that is rooted in reality. I could always be wrong. You know, maybe they, maybe they turn on a podcast on Thursday and they'd be like, let me tell you about the personal computer. Let's talk about Windows 12. It's going to run some Xbox. I mean, you know, you could play Killer Instinct on it right now. Hey, that's another one. Killer Instinct, by the way, uh, just hit its 10-year anniversary. And they uh, rolled out an update and now they, are, they have run a, cross, uh, a cross-play test between the steam version and the xbox version which includes the xbox store version on pc and so they have been doing work on killer instinct to add crossplay to it
1: do you think further
0: tests on crossplay and some of that sort of stuff maybe What if they. What if they put Killer Instinct out on PlayStation 5? That'd be a weird one, but also considering the way fighting game tournaments work and all of that sort of stuff, it would be pretty cool. I bet that players. I bet that people who run fighting game tournaments that also care about Killer Instinct, which is maybe not the largest number in the world, um the PlayStation platform is where the fighting games live. It's where the fight sticks live. It's where all of that stuff lives. If they were to just say like, Hey man, we're yes, we're putting, we're, we're doing it. We're, we're putting KI on PlayStation. I think that would be a really great idea. I just, when I saw that they announced their like crossplay beta thing with this, that, that got me thinking, like, like I wonder, huh, I wonder if they would do that. They should do that. That's a 10-year-old game, and it's uh, relevant uh, in some way I, I, it could be relevant to a new audience, I think, if, if they you know, because people that play fighting games tend to not do it on Xbox.
1: Um, anyway,
0: The Verge has a, a big, long story about this as well that is not really. Uh, it, it's, it's more of a recap on kind of how we got to this point um, where they're talking about uh, Game Pass and they're rolling up some of, the, some of the comments from the various court cases that Microsoft has found itself in around the acquisition of Activision Uh, Which puts them, you know, this is, it's a point in the Verge article that is worth making here. Microsoft's overall gaming business just passed Windows in terms of revenue, thanks to the Activision Blizzard acquisition. So, for Microsoft, games makes more money than, than Windows does. Which, that seems like a big deal. But you have to maintain that, and you have to go where the players are. You have to, you know, there's a lot of things you need to do to shepherd that and continue to grow it. They're not in this business to sit on their hands and go, yeah, man, cool. Because that's going to just get them back into the Xbox One situation. So. uh, In May of 2022, Microsoft had an ambitious goal of 100 million Game Pass subscribers by 2030. At the time, the service was sitting at 25 million. Which was up from 18 million in 2021. Um, But yes, it has... It has stalled out and the reason given or the the reasons they come to in the Verge article here, uh, which is by Tom Warren, um, is that a lot of games got delayed. That the big tent poles like your Starfields and even Redfall, which before it came out, maybe was seen in a slightly better light than it was after it came out. Um, You know, some of those games getting delayed and some of those games coming out in in states where there's like, okay, this is this is not an amazing. This is not a great game um they haven't given apparently a lot of updates on the subscriber number analysts estimate according to the verge here uh that they're at about 33 million
1: subscribers which would
0: say that uh okay yeah so again this is a this verge article is a really good recap of all of this shit with the numbers Uh, In in there as well, if accurate, that's around 33% growth in two years. Microsoft targeted a 73% growth rate for Game Pass subscriptions for a single fiscal year that ended in June 2022, but only managed 28%. The company then dropped Xbox Game Pass growth as a target for Nadella's executive compensation last year after first exceeding its ambitious Game Pass internal targets in 2020 and then failing to meet targets for two years in a row. Um, so, you know, I think that that kind of does say that 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 growth probably has continued to stall a little bit. Um, they get into a little bit of the the changes that Apple is making in the EU and how the way they're making those changes is not exactly conducive to. um, You know moving things forward for Microsoft in a, in a fantastic way. Um, But yeah. uh,
1: Hard to say before
0: Thursday where they'll actually end up. But again, I, 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 I do, I do think that if, if you're expecting this thing to feel like blockbuster, crazy, like just wild announcements of we're putting game pass on PlayStation. We're doing this and that. Like I, I, I just don't think that this is going to be, even if they have like bigger things in motion and and other plans in place, this feels like something where they like kind of got caught slightly off guard by all of the leaks and that they're going to kind of just try to write the ship with as little information as they can. Um, And give the update of like, hey, here's what we're doing. Here's the, you know, here's the general framework of the strategy that we're moving on. Um, Rooted in some of the language they've talked about as far as like, we want more places to play. We want Xbox to be the best place to play, but we want as many people as possible to play our games. You know, like like that sort of thing will probably be a part of this, I would assume. Um, And they'll tie it into some of the messaging that they've been using for the last handful of years. Um, but again, I I don't think that this is going to be some gigantic behind the scenes. you know, like the, the, the context of it might feel like a big deal, but I don't think that this is going to end up actually being a big deal because again, Microsoft already publishes games on multiple platforms. Minecraft already comes to other platforms. Call of duty, which they now own is going to stay a multi-platform game. And those are some of the biggest games that they own, if not the biggest games that they own. And so if the biggest games they own are big enough and good enough to end up on PlayStation and Switch and all these other platforms, why wouldn't you put Pentiment on them? Why wouldn't you put even Halo, even Halo and Forza? Why wouldn't you at some point? And maybe it's not a launch strategy. Maybe it's not a, not a like, hey, day one, you're going to get all of these games across the board. And it's, you know, like, maybe it ends up looking a lot like Sony's PC strategy. Um, Where it's like, hey, you know, some number of months after the fact, we will bring our games to PlayStation. We would love it for you to come over here and sign up for Game Pass. But, like, once, once the people who have made that move have already made that move, and I bet most of them already have... Um it doesn't actually hurt anybody to just release those games on PlayStation.
1: So, fuck it. Do it.
0: And that's what I think they'll do. Um, Microsoft's also facing some heat, some continued heat from uh, the United States government over uh, some layoffs they've laid off 1900 people which the ftc has gone out there and said wait 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 when you said you were buying activision you did not make it sound like you were going to lay off that many people what the fuck is going on over there um microsoft's response to that has been basically like hey the the deal changed a lot because of people like you <laughs> making and, and and the market authority in the uk We didn't acquire the streaming rights to call of duty. We only you know and and so you know as a result the deal has changed massively and uh, and you are still holding us to this old version of the deal that never came to pass. Um, We'll see where that goes. I I don't know Uh, the upshot of that is the San Francisco Chronicle the newspaper there in San Francisco reported that the office for toys for Bob is going to be closing down as a part of these layoffs. Uh, Euro reporting that 86 toys for Bob employees were lost as a result of those layoffs. Uh, toys for Bob was a weird thing for Activision. To, like it was up in Marin County. So it was actually close to the Sausalito office I worked at in 2008. Um, and I commuted past it most days. Um, Toys for Bob was the Skylanders studio founded by the creators of star control. And, uh, since then, those founders have n- are now out on their own. I-, I believe that they are, um, working on a new star control that will exist. In, like it will not have the name. There's an Erquan, The Urquan masters has been available as kind of a free source port kind of thing for a while. It's going to end up on Steam in a couple of days here, I believe, under the name Free Stars, the Urquan Masters, and then they have another Star Control thing. Yeah, Free Stars, the Urquan Masters is, it's just listed as coming soon. Okay, February 19th is when that will launch on Steam. So if you want to play Star Control, it's free. It will be free. Uh, it's going to stay free. It's, been, it's free right now. You can go download it wherever, but it's going to come to Steam. Um, Star Control is a fucking cool as fuck game. Uh, both of those games were cool, and then Star Doc ended up with the rights and put out a bunch of fucking bullshit. Whatever. Um. So, yes, Toys for Bob. I just, I just, I don't know. As a as a person who spent a lot a lot of time for a couple of years there thinking about Skylanders, um sad about the loss of toys for bob they had they had like any other activision studio i think they had found themselves um kind of helping out on call of duty but also some of the other stuff the crash bandicoot stuff uh that i think was coming out more recently i think some of that came out of toys for bob as well um And Spyro, yeah, some of that stuff. So, yeah, they, they, they did some of the other work at Activision while also somehow being a Call of Duty assist team as well. Um,
1: and so, I yeah, I, don't, I remember
0: someone from Activision PR came through and stopped by our office just to visit and say hi, and... Uh, and I was like, "Well, what are you what are you doing up here?" And they're like, "Oh, you know, toys for, you know, we're, we're we got a studio up here." They're working on something I think you might it might be kind of you, you, they're working on something." And I'm like, "Oh, okay." And then came to find out like a year later or whatever it was that that was that, that was Skylanders and um god, that whole toys to life thing. What a fucking what a weird time. There's a book there enough weird shit happened around the competitive landscape of, uh, the, the three, the three major toys to life games will, you know, maybe include the Ubisoft game as a fourth, I guess, but, but star link is kind of a, a one and done sort of deal. But between the Lego game, the Disney infinity and, um, uh, and Skylanders, there's, Weird shit happened around that that whole thing. Uh, Yeah, maybe Amiibos count. I don't know. Maybe you count Amiibos in that. Speaking of Disney Infinity, maybe it will live on someday inside of Fortnite. Huh? Disney has acquired uh, a chunk of Epic Games, a a, a chunk worth $1.5 billion. Uh, That's what Disney has thrown into... Uh, thrown into Epic, as a result of that, what they're going to get out of it is what Eurogamer is building as a multi-year partnership to create an expansive and open games and entertainment universe connected to Fortnite. This persistent universe will interoperate with Fortnite to offer a multitude of opportunities for consumers to play, watch, shop, and engage with content, characters, and stories from across Disney's vast IP portfolio. Um, sure, yeah. Why wouldn't you? They show like a Disney cruise and ESPN and, you know, the full catalog of weird Disney owns a lot of stuff. Um, Disney has had weird goals around metaverse stuff for a while. They had a division working on it. Um, I got invited to a Disney event. That I ended up not going to, but I think it was at the park. And it was like, we've partnered with a number of Web3 companies in order to experiment and figure out a lot, you know, some blockchain, this and that. And uh, was, we have a number of companies that are ready to show off what they've been working on. And so, would you like to come to this event and see a bunch of. You know, I'm good. I don't think that that stuff stuck around. I don't know that, that any of that stuff stuck around. I don't know that any of that actually made the cut. Uh, maybe some of it did. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think in the context of like Disney's place as largely licensing their concepts and properties out to other studios, like they're doing with Indiana Jones right now, um, you know, publishing... Some stuff here and there, but, you know, but, but really, you know, pr- mostly acting as like a, you know, Hey, we've, we've got this portfolio. Uh, do you want to come make a thing with this? Let's talk. Um, I think that makes a ton of sense. And I, and I think that the, the Disney thing, like they've obviously already partnered with Epic for work on some star Wars stuff, um, and putting some star Wars stuff inside of Fortnite. I think that the unreal engines value to filmmakers and all of that sort of stuff is only on the rise. And so that stuff probably matters uh, a little bit when we think about Disney, you know, basically investing in the whole company like that. Um, I assume that's something that they're at least like keeping in the back of their mind, but it's not really the focus of the announcement the, the announcement really is about, Hey, we're going to make this, Disney universe thing inside of Fortnite or you know inside the Fortnite tools that will live separate from Fortnite so that they can control more directly what happens with it as opposed to just like yeah we would love to sell a Mickey Mouse skin but not if you're going to give him a shotgun and not if you're going to turn him into a Lego guy
1: um so i i think that
0: i think that makes a, a ton of sense in some in some sick way it's a huge deal right but but you know but this is also probably the best case scenario for what they could be doing in this space with that content it's the the old thing of like you know well it's old now i guess but people have been saying for a long time like oh what's the what's going to happen with the metaverse what's going to is all these metaverses is anyone ever going to do it is anyone ever going to pull it together and come up with something and it's like motherfucker fortnite's been right there for years doing it you know roblox to another extent has been been in that thing for a long time but like the multi-ip crazy fucking thing like fortnite has been quietly growing into that for a good long time and so instead of going out and building your own dumb thing and being like check it out man we made a virtual third person mall where you can buy disney shit Or whatever, you know, whatever, the you know, whatever you would make and and try to call, like, this is our metaverse strategy. If you put on the VR headset, you can see what Mickey Mouse would look like if he was in your house. And then you can click here to subscribe to ESPN. You know, like, like, all that shit's fucking stupid. Like, all of the metaverse plans I feel like I've heard over the years for just, like, how can we get people to spend money in type of some kind of virtual space. One, they've all been about VR, which is... Just never what the hell this stuff should be about um, because you're just limiting its availability to way too small of a number. Um, instead, work with the tools you got. Work with the thing that people are already using. Work with the thing that already remembers something that resembles a proper metaverse. If we're talking about commercial metaverses, Fortnite's right there. They already did it. Just do, Just build on that. It's probably the smartest move they could have made. Um, You know, is that something I'm gonna you know, I I don't necessarily see myself going like, I've got to get in here and look at the virtual Disney Plus experience and see, I I don't don't fucking care. If there's a cool Frozen-themed world or Little Mermaid-themed world, maybe I would show that to my daughter. I don't know. And they did, one of the games, the, um...
1: Uh, oh, what is it called?
0: Dreamlight Valley, I believe, has some frozen stuff in it now, but I haven't. I've been afraid. I've been afraid to show that to my daughter. Maybe I should be even more afraid to show her a fucking Disney metaverse, honestly. But, um, anyway, my only request for that is that they should, uh, they should uh, build the entirety of Disney Infinity inside of Fortnite, right down to the figures, right down to the like. Let me let me do all of that stuff. There was some, there was some really neat stuff in Disney Infinity. It's a shame. I think most of that's you know you could probably go buy the discs and still have that experience to some extent. I think there is a version on Steam. They did they did some weird pivot version. Of of Infinity on Steam. uh, That was meant to like, like, hell, here's a version you can play without owning any of the figures or whatever. Um, Is that still there? Yeah, Disney Infinity Gold Edition. With all of the 1.0, 2.0, and 3.0 content, I suppose, is what that is what this actually is. Yeah, those games, uh, they were neat. Like, I'm not, a, I'm not, a, I'm still not a Disney guy. It, like, there's something about the way my kids have been drawn into that stuff that I find low-key terrifying. But here we are. There's no escape. Um, but Infinity was neat. Infinity did some some really
1: cool shit. Um, Anyway, uh, I, I, yeah, this is, I don't know that they have a launch date for this. Um, and I
0: wonder how much of this will operate, like, like how much of like, if you are purchasing Disney content for use in the Disney area, how much of that will be able to be piped out into, um, the racing game or to proper Fortnite, or something like that. Like, I I don't think, I don't think they'll allow a situation where like here's Jack Sparrow holding a fucking AK 47 or, or whatever. Um, but I don't know. did, Did they do some of that? There's some Disney characters. I guess there's some properties where that would maybe make a little more sense than others. Right.
1: Um, Maybe Jack Sparrow
0: is literally in Fortnite. Yeah, I don't know. Ask me anything about Fortnite. You shoot dudes. The shooting doesn't feel good. There's my answer. I think you can play as Solid Snake. But yeah, anyway. um, Mickey Mouse is perhaps a better example of like... They probably would not have Mickey Mouse holding a bunch of guns. I don't know. Uh... A Portuguese website is claiming that the the next Nintendo switch will be backwards compatible, and that current switch games can benefit from the additional processing power as well. uh Eurogamer has pulled this news together, uh, but that's the, the original report is from Universo Nintendo and that's that's pretty much the <laughs> that's pretty much the extent of it um. And I guess that makes some sense. So, okay, the, the other bit of news here comes from Reuters. And they are claiming that uh, this, this is out of a story that is largely about NVIDIA's upcoming business plans. You know, the, one of the things to remember is that, like, NVIDIA has quietly become one of the biggest... Well, maybe not quietly. It's become one of the biggest companies in the world. They, they're market cap, whatever they were, they were bigger than Amazon for a bit there. I don't know if that's still the case stock price wise, but, um, Nvidia is scary large. Um, and, uh, that makes me trust them less, honestly. Anyway, uh, there is just one bit at the bottom of this story here that is largely about, um, some of the things that, NVIDIA is building. And so this is about them building a new business unit. Focused on designing bespoke chips for cloud computing firms and others, including advanced AI processors. Nine sources familiar with the plans told Reuters about this. By comparison, one source, which I assume is one of the nine, but I don't know, uh, says, That Nintendo's uh, next console, which is expected this year, is likely to include an an, an NVIDIA custom design. So that's been some of the discussion around like, well, okay, the Tigra X1 that's in the current Switch is just a regular-ass chip that they've made for. That's why the original Switch was so hackable is because people were able to poke at that chip on other devices and figure out how to do wild shit with it. Um, and so instead of using off the shelf parts, this would appear to be a custom design from NVIDIA, which I, I'm trying to think of the last time we got a custom part out of NVIDIA for consoles. Is it, is it the original Xbox? And that's, you know, that lines up like roughly to a, a PC equivalent card, the Xbox hardware, but it's not, um, anyway, um, and so that's kind of all the Switch Two news at this point. But this is a, this is another source also saying that the console is expected out this year. Oh right, yeah the the Nvidia the, the graphics hardware in the PS3. You're right.
1: Um, that was custom stuff.
0: So let's think about this a bit. We've got. Uh, Portuguese website saying that it will be backwards compatible and that original games can run better on the new switch. I think that's, uh, certainly possible. Um, backwards compatibility, I think makes a ton of sense for them. Again, you know, like, like I was talking about with some of the Xbox stuff, it's that sort of situation where it matters a lot, you know, parents care about it. Right. But we do as well. It's not just, it's not just parents, but, um, It's nice when you can carry your library forward into a new console, even if, you know, I I don't necessarily go back and play. When I go back to play old games, I go back to play games that are much older than that, I guess is what I would say. Um, And so. But if they're sticking with NVIDIA, it makes a ton of sense that they would maintain some backwards compatibility. Also, I think, you know, and this is me speaking from a non-technical position here. If we look at all of the videos online of people running Switch games on non-Switch hardware and the way that those games can be monkeyed with to run at 4K and run at higher frame rates and all of the weird stuff that people have been able to do with Switch software running on non-Switch hardware. um. And those are hobbyists coming up with those solutions and, and, you know, they don't, they aren't always perfect and you'd be like, oh, these textures are all fucked up. It's like, yeah, well, you get what you pay for. I don't know. Um, I find it very believable then that Nintendo could theoretically unlock frame rates or, you know, like whatever, you know, some simple upgrades, maybe not going all the way that some people have gone. but a situation where like you have a game that's very framey in spots like a, you know, Breath of the Wild or Tears of the Kingdom or something like that. Like, hey, what if you could smooth all that out? What if this game ran at 60? Um, Those are things that seem like they would be within reach of a potential successor to the Switch, I would hope. Um, but also when we think about how those games have run on, on a PC, for example, uh, I think that. Nintendo being the company that actually knows how all of this stuff works and doesn't have to guess at it the way a lot of the hobbyist emulator developers have had to, um, you could see a situation where some of that performance improves or at least smooths out games with like, uh, unstable frame rates, maybe being a little more likely to be more stable, um, you know, maybe some slightly better texture filtering. They probably don't push it as far as some of the emulator authors have because that gets unsafe and, and requires a lot more testing. And that's something Nintendo is just not going to want (laughs) to do. Um, but I, I do find it believable that, you know, Hey, some of these games would run better. And that maybe kind of heads off some of the conversation around, like, you know, does tears, the kingdom get released on the switch 2? again maybe you know no maybe not maybe they just keep selling it uh because if it's backwards compatible and and that story did also include that it's backwards compatible for physical cartridges as well as not not just digital downloads which if that ends up being true then i guess that means we see the same cartridge slot on the switch too which doesn't seem like a massive problem i don't know um I don't know if there's a big downside. I mean, you know, like cartridge size being what it is. You do see some games that are like, yeah, there's sort of a game on this cartridge, but you'd better connect your Switch to the internet. Like Mortal Kombat 1 was a real, it was like one of the more wild examples of like the software on that cartridge unpatched is really crazy <laughs> compared to uh how it looks and runs and the features it has after it has been patched and and all of it not that that not that that made the game amazing um on the switch but uh it's a noticeable improvement when you patch it up for sure um but yeah do they end up going with higher data capacity or do they just you know because that stuff exists now but like it it brings up your cost of goods quite a lot when you start investing in larger cartridges and, and all of that sort of shit. No one wants to spend more money making these things. Uh, Though, they'll, they'll probably be a lot more likely to go to $70 on more and more of these games going forward. Um, we'll see. Yeah, do they do they end up having a slightly different form factor for Switch 2 cartridges, but it, the, the, the port still technically allows a Switch 1 cartridge to be put in there? You know, this is any number of weird situations that, that could happen there. Um, and we'll see. They probably don't... Well, hmm. The thing they would probably like to avoid if they can help it is they would probably prefer it if Switch 2 cartridges do not fit into a Switch 1. Um, whether it's like, a, yeah, some kind of physical... A piece of protruding plastic on the side or whatever, or if they can change it up just enough. I don't know how they would do that. You know, maybe they have two ports like the, like the, the friggin' DS did or something. But, uh, the reason I say that is because when you think about how wide open an original switch is, if the cartridges can fit into the old switch, even the games won't run. But you could probably dump them. They probably wouldn't want that. So if they can change that cartridge port or change those cartridges for the new Switch just enough to prevent that from happening, they would probably like that
1: Um, from a security perspective. But... um. We'll see how all that goes. Obviously there's more work involved
0: to that process than just uh jamming the cartridge in the port. But uh you know. People are resourceful. That's gonna do it for the news. I am anxious to see this thing on Thursday. I am um I'm I might stream it. I, which is it's a podcast. I don't know, that's a weird a weird thing (laughs) but i might uh i might end up uh streaming myself like listening to that talking about like i guess watching it because they are putting it on youtube um i'm very curious to see what they do end up announcing i feel like i've got it right but i could be wildly wrong maybe they'll have a a much longer and much more detailed uh strategy to roll out i think (laughs) I don't think anything that they could say this week is going to change the weird anger that people have, like the the, the weird fanboy fervor has has riled up. I don't think anything that they'll say about putting things out in a, a multi platform capacity. I, I I don't think any. I I think that I, th- those those weird people will be angry just the same, and they will. You know, many of them, will, I'm sure, will find their way back into the fold somehow and be like, I love Microsoft again or whatever, whatever they say. I don't know. I'm team green or, you know, whatever. Tim dog will be back
1: somehow. <laughs> um,
0: Like, wait, people only follow me because I'm angry about Xbox stuff. What am I going to do if I don't do that? Oh, no. They'll find a way. Um. So yeah, I don't know. I, I'm. I'm. Uh. That that is something I'm looking into doing. I'm. I would love to know how long that thing is going to be because the longer it is, the less likely I'll be able to do it just from a scheduling and a time perspective with the kids and everything. But um. But yeah, we'll uh. We'll
1: see. We'll see how it all goes. And uh, I'm tentatively planning to. To watch that live.
0: Let's get on to some emails, huh? Podcast dot bike is the email address. You can uh, send me an email. There's a, a chance that I will see it. Um... Like Cody from Roswell, who says, is there anything out there that replicates the Killzone 2 and 3 or Shadowfall multiplayer? I missed the multiplayer game mode. Cody, I don't I don't think so. There are modes. The, the, the thing I liked about Killzone was they had that one mode that was meant to be a much longer experience that like, encompassed all of the other gameplay types. It would be like, you'd play one round that was team deathmatch, And then it would be like, suddenly it would be like a VIP mode. And then suddenly it would be like capture the flag. And it was like this interesting variety, uh, that made the conflict feel larger, if that makes any sense. And I thought that was really cool. Um, and I don't think anyone else has quite done that. I mean, you know, the larger battlefield and some of that stuff, you could argue that the, the call of duty ground war mode kind of does, you know, it, at least it does the. You know, it doesn't do the modes. It doesn't do the, the that type of conflict, but but it does happen on a larger scale. Um, but I can't think of anything. Someone in chat says Gears Five sort of does it. Section Eight has a similar system with its Dynasty. Section Eight, Jesus, what are we doing? What is this? Po- what are we doing, hanging out here, talking about Section Eight over here,
1: huh? Um, no, I, I can't think of anything that uh, that readily duped that style of mode.
0: Um, but it was cool. It was a cool idea. I don't know. I I, I, would, I would I would I would fuck with that. I suppose. Dave writes in and says, Curious to ask, which console or handheld do you think was most affected by piracy? There's multiple examples of ones where emulation became viable during the middle of the console's lifetime, but which was most disastrous in your opinion? Um, I, I think it's probably the PSP. Uh the Dreamcast is maybe a close second there. But I think the custom firmware situation on the PSP was truly wild. It happened quite early. The Dreamcast stuff ended up being weird because you still had to burn the discs and there were still um the discs were larger than blank CDs and so it relied on people going out there and ripping the cutscenes out or down them to smaller, lower bit rates. So that they could fit on a CD and some of that weird stuff. Um, And so it it was the, the thing I'll say about PSP stuff is that was a situation that could happen very casually. And without a lot of additional hardware. And that was the sort of thing that like once you got custom firmware installed on a PSP and your friends did too or whatever... Like, it was very easy to be like, oh, you bought that game? Cool, let me hold it for 20, for 20 minutes over here. And then you're suddenly running, I was going to say wood dumper, but no, it was it was a filer. You're running filer. And uh, dumping disks to your memory stick duo. Or I guess just the regular memory stick. The duos were for the V. I forget, man. Memory sticks. The format of the future, mini disks and memory sticks. UMDs. Sony had it all
1: figured out. Um, so I, you
0: know, I think the the PSP ended up being a little more devastating. Well, you know, the the Dreamcast situation was super fucking bad because the the situation with Dreamcast stuff is the that you know that allowed people to sell silvers, that allowed like shady shops to be like, we've got all these games, come in and buy them for four dollars. And so even people who weren't like well versed in how to handle shit on the internet. And how to handle a, a CD burner themselves and, and all of this other stuff. You could end up getting your hands on bootleg Dreamcast games, you know, all the time. There was man. There was a shop up the street from the original GameSpot office on Clement Street. I've talked about it a few times. And it was just like generic, like Asian, it was like anime store. You know, it was like, oh, you got Goku in here. And like, yeah, we got Goku in here. Come on in. And then in, in the back was just like a rack of PS one games of of, of legit, just legit full on HK silvers, baby. Like the shittiest photocopied looking tomb Raider cover and all of that. And, and they were just selling games out the back of this fucking store for like eight bucks a piece. I remember going in there a handful of times and being like, Oh my God. Like I, I, I ended up buying a copy of tomb Raider there because it was so soon after the, I, I, they might've been selling tomb Raider before it came out. It might've been a, like a late beta or something insane like that. I can't remember the specifics of it, but like, like I bought that and a game called racing groovy, uh, that never came out in the U.S. I S I don't think. And a couple of other games. Uh, they were just like super, It was just super sketchy. But like their stock never rotated. Like they, they ended up uh, in you know getting a handful of games there, and and then just those were the games they had for years and years and years, and and so it was rare they ever got new stock. So it wasn't it was pointless. Um, but they were not CDRs; they were silvers. So I I don't you know, at a, at at the time there those were kind of different things, and so they were getting them from somewhere. I don't know. Uh,
1: they weren't just burning them there is my point probably.
0: But who the fuck knows? Um but yeah, the, the Dreamcast situation was super bad. Um but I don't think like like that t- people try to kind of pin the problems with the Dreamcast very directly on the piracy. So the situation if, if you don't If you you are not familiar, it is possible to burn discs that just boot in an unmodified Dreamcast. No mod chip, no nothing. Um, And for a while, there was like a boot disc situation where like, I guess like the the thing that you used to do it was on that Sega Smash Pack disc. And there's like straight up info files on Sega Smash Pack of just like, like the people that made that were fucking crazy. They're cool. So they, but I... it happened before Smash Pack came out though, didn't it? Maybe maybe the, the method came out in a different format first or something, and and anyway. That thing got blown wide open. And uh, you know, very late in the game, I think they issued Dreamcasts that did not have like Mill CD support or whatever you want to call it. That's what it was. Smashback had instructions. Smashback had Genesis emulator stuff in it that you could use to load other ROMs. It's also like a really rotten emulator. Um, but the the Dreamcast failed because of the calls that Sega made uh, and the PlayStation 2 you know there was just a, a lot of stuff like that. The piracy certainly did not help but it was not the sole reason why the dreamcast collapsed. Um, and the PSP, I don't know that I would necessarily say that it collapsed due to piracy. I, you know, like I, I would say the problem with PSP is, you know, you know, it was not quite as bad as the Vita in some ways, but Sony never fully supported the PSP the same way they never fully supported the Vita. Um, It's the benefit of the Switch. It's it's like the the real the real power of the Nintendo Switch lies in it being the only platform Nintendo has. Whereas when Nintendo would split their efforts across a handheld and a platform, you know, like they they, they sometimes the handheld would not get the best games because the best games were going to console and so on and so forth. And so I I think that that's definitely the situation with the PSP, and definitely with the Vita, where it's like, hey man, we put an Uncharted game out on the Vita. It's not made by Naughty Dog, but you know, hey, it's an Uncharted game, you know. And so you had like the the other studios that like were doing the handheld versions. It was like the same type of situation where it's like, who do we get to do this? Oh, you're gonna port this game? Oh, well, let's get the same port house that did the PS2 version of this PS3 game. We could also do this, or you know, the the PS2 version of the PS1 game, or the the PS1, ver- you know, the Shaba games out here doing Tony Hawk Three for the PlayStation One, or you know, whatever the fuck it is. Uh, you ended up in those sorts of of situations where it's just like, you know, and I think Sony just never sent its best to its handhelds, and so I, I love the PSP. I think the PSP is cool as fuck.
1: Um.
0: the Vita less so, but the Vita is fine. You know, the Vita is really neat in its own way. Uh, I just feel like there were more great PSP games than there were great Vita games, you know, and you could hack your battery on a PSP. That's
1: just fucking bananas. A hacked battery. Ben from Minneapolis writes in it says, Midway
0: producer uh, Mark Flitman, Fl- Flitman uh, just released a book called It's Not All Fun and Games, and he cites your MLB Slugfest 2003 review for enjoying the game's commentary. What do you think of Slugfest in retrospect, and do you remember the game's credits? Thank you, Mr. Hansen. Um I... Th- Slugfest I think was the one other sports game that Midway. Well, hockey, they did good with hockey. Hits was hits was okay. But really it's that Wayne Gretzky game they did Friend 64 that was actually probably better. Um, Slugfest was cool. It was weird. Um the commentary was funny. Like they, they, they got Tim Kitzrow in there with a guy who, you know, in the credits, I don't even think it had his, his real name. It's just, you know, it's Jimmy Shorts. So who is mystery, who is Jimmy Shorts? Um, and they did a really good two-man booth where they were just goofing the whole time. And it felt like, in the moment, it felt improv-y at times. It didn't feel like a bunch of canned, overwrought Overplanned humor, um, like the the commentary was just a, it was it was a good time. Slugfest was a was a fun game it, for for a genre of game that I feel like doesn't really get um much these days. You know what do we have? It's it's just it's is there still uh, super mega baseball? Like that's the closest we get to a fun time fun baseball game, right? Um, Slugfest had some good weird ideas around ways to try to apply Midway's kind of smash mouth sports style to a baseball game. I'll tell you this: Slugfest two thousand three, a much greater success. Than the red
1: card soccer
0: games. Like, yeah, we need an extreme soccer game. What should we call it? Red card soccer. Fuck yeah! (laughs) Like, I have a red card soccer referee jersey uh, here that I should really be wearing more often. Um, and the credits are just the credits are funny because their build is like it's bloopers. But it's really just like a bunch of bits they shot where the team decides they want to be in the game. And as such, it's a bunch of shots of Sal Vita in motion capture gear beating the shit out of the people who worked on the game. Like just doing drop kicks into them while they're all wearing mocap gear. And, you know, it's, you know, I don't think they actually. It's a work. It's not a shoot. But, uh, but yeah, it's a it's a it's a funny bit. And then some some fun extra little commentary stuff in there that's staged. <laughs> it's all very staged for an outtakes reel as opposed to uh, uh, actual bloopers uh, or or whatever. But it's like, yeah, the credits are very silly. It's a, There's a, a video here. Go look up the credits for MLB Slugfest 2003 when you get a chance. They're fun. They're fun in a way that games aren't anymore, if that makes any sense. They're fun in a way that makes... Uh, that makes the game feel like it was made by humans. It has this old-timey... Like, go watch the credits for MLB Slugfest 2003 because they're quaint. Um, in a way that just video games aren't anymore. Man. I just bummed myself out thinking about fucking MLB Slugfest 2003. That's right it's it's twenty and then the, 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 then there's a dash and then an 3 to make sure you pronounce it as 20 o three as opposed to just two thousand three a weird marketing like a weird some weird choices weird choices made it midway in the early 2000s. breaking news um Gregory writes in with an urgent quest it says urgent question, not a joke when Axel Rose asked Guns and Roses to give him some reggae, did they give him the adequate amount? No, but they gave him the amount that he deserved.
1: Thank you for writing.
0: Steve from Kingston upon Hull in the United Kingdom says, I see Snoop and Dre are releasing a gin and juice cocktail in a can. I know you don't drink alcohol much anymore, but can we get a review on the podcast? I, I can review it for you right here, right now. Gin is disgusting. Gin is the worst. A prepackaged gin drink, I bet, will be even more terrible
1: than that. So yes, if I see it, I'll, I'll let you know. Um,
0: I saw. I took a picture of it this morning. I don't. I'll, I'll post this somewhere. <laughs> so I'll post this somewhere. I, I took a picture at the 7-Eleven this morning when I was going out to get some energy drinks of a can of Four Loco. Next, it was next to one that is Warheads branded. There's a Sour Cosmic Punch Four Loco. But this Loco is just billed as
1: Loco USA. And uh, I, don't, I don't know what America tastes like.
0: And it's been a long time since I've had a Four Loko. Um, but I almost bought one. <laughs> I might go back and buy an American-flavored Four Loko.
1: Because it's America, it.
0: Greg from Kansas writes, this: says, has there ever been a time or times when you've questioned whether gaming was going to make it? Was there ever a time when you felt like you didn't know what the gaming industry was anymore? For me, that E3 where the Kinect was first shown off made me think, maybe video games aren't for me anymore.
1: Um, I don't, you know,
0: not... Not really. I, you know, I, I, it's something I've been, like, a, as some of this Xbox talk has been happening and, and as a lot of the talk around uh, layoffs, of course, layoffs intermingled with the dramatically insane budgets we're seeing for some of the biggest video games these days. Hundreds of millions of dollars being spent on a single game that you play and you're like, this is very good. It is an open world superhero game. I mean, it is not surprising in the way you, I would think you would get more fear. It is, it is an incredibly sharp game. Don't get me wrong. I do like this a lot, but holy shit, that's a lot of money. Um, All of that stuff kind of makes me wonder when we hit some kind of breaking point and i think in some ways that breaking point could be crucial to restoring the overall health of this industry you know when you go back a few weeks to was it the was it gamesindustry.biz or was it gamedeveloper.com whoever had the like the two years of pain article that we talked about a few weeks ago something has to give right for for that to for for the correction to start um it's got to bottom out first, right? Um, and, and then then you have this week Ubisoft talking about skull and bones and saying it's a quadruple A game." And you're like, "That's not. Let's uh, not. I know that's occasionally a, a term that people try to use. Um, no, it's not. I mean, you know, but if if we think about it in terms of, like, you've got to remember that the AAA designation was only ever meant to talk about the budget of a game. It was never, you know, and, and the, the marketing push it may get as a result and so on and so forth, but like the, it was never, it was never designed as something to talk about the quality of a
1: game. Um.
0: Skull and Bones is out this week, right? Is it, is it? (laughs) I'm kidding. It's this five. It'll come out five, you know, 2029. We'll be playing Skull and Bones. No, they, they, they've been running or the early access today. Skull and Bones is out now. What a world. First Fortnite. Now this video games have become real. (laughs) Skull and Bones gave me that Fortnite vibe, which is an insane sentence to say when we think about what Fortnite is now. But, uh, remember all the years of Fortnite being like in the shadows and like, what is Fortnite? I don't know. What, what even is it? We don't, you know, it's like something Epic's working on game informers got this cover story and then didn't even really talk about what the fuck it was. And then, you know, like, what the fuck is Fortnite? Like all of that. Um, and then, you know, and then I finally got to play Fortnite at an E3 judges week and I remember going like, "Okay, yeah, cool." Yeah. This is neat. This it, it was it was neat to play with people right then and there. Getting a four-player game and yeah, I don't know, man. All right, hit the button and the hordes are going to come and now we've got to build defenses. Like, "Okay, yeah, you're doing like a tower defense thing." Sure. That makes sense. Cool. All right. That's a video game. It's a real game. I played it. Crazy to think where we are today with Fortnite. <laughs> um But Skull and Bones gave me that vibe of just like, I can't even, I don't even know, I'm not even sure what this game is anymore after all these years. Like, are you really making a game based on the boat stuff from an Assassin's Creed game that is now, is it 15 years old? Is it, I, 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 like, this is the thing you're, this is the, is it quadruple A in budget because you've spent a decade on it and that's why you have to try to, you know, like, okay, I feel like people coming out of the Skull and Bones open beta, which I installed but forgot to launch, um, are saying, hey, this is actually kind of worse in some ways than the boat stuff from, that, from Black Flag.
1: Which is weird. Um,
0: I don't know. I'm curious to play the full version of Skull and Bones, which I will surely do at some point. Especially if it's a, apparently out. What a weird... What a world! Um, but no, in, in terms of just like the, the, you know, yeah, do I ever feel like shook or do I ever like wonder about video games? No, like video games will continue to change forms and shift and it may someday shift into a form that you don't like anymore. I think that's a totally possible and acceptable thing. I have been through a lot of changes and found myself still enjoying video games. You know, there were a lot of people that like around the 360 era of microtransactions, you know, they started getting very angry and never stopped being angry. And, you know, I I get it. Um, But like, you know, the business model of video games is always going to be changing. Um, We're so many. It feels like we're thousands of years past horse armor. Now, you know, like ultimately it wasn't that long ago in the grand scheme, but it feels like a lifetime or two or five ago. Back then, for me, some of the stuff that I remember from the early microtransactions era is when Tiger Woods came out and they would sell you a full stats golfer. If you didn't want to, uh, you know, level up your golfer, your created player they would sell you one and when we once we started selling cheat codes to me that felt like all right we've we've broken some kind of like pact here between the players and the games like this is like that was a fun thing like cheat codes used to be a fun thing like, what are the last great cheat codes? What's the, the last great cheat code? It's like San Andreas, right? It's all of the cheat codes in San Andreas when you could unlock all the weird shit and just blow shit up forever. Um... now, you know, like we just don't, you know, when the 360 rolled out and achievements rolled out, you know, games, yeah, GTA 4 did have them. So I guess maybe, maybe GTA 4 ends up counting. Um, but for me is when codes, when codes went away and especially when in some cases, some people were trying to, or some companies rather, were trying to sell you the equivalent of cheat codes Um, and it's kind of the downside of achievements and trophies and, and the, the ecosystem and, and, you know, earning all this stuff and keeping, you know, like, like having it's for the, it's the same reason that free map packs and player run servers and all of that sort of stuff kind of went away. Right. Um, um, and yeah, I don't know, man, like I, I, like that's a, that's a big dramatic change, but I found my I found my way to the other side of that. I remember being really pissed off about um, I believe it was Battlefield Bad Company One, and I I bring this up more often than I than it probably warrants it or whatever. But there was a time when for Bad Company, they EA intended to sell you guns. They were like, we're going to, yeah, we got these, uh, we got these handful of guns that we're going to, this is going to be like this paid tier or, you know, like, like there's like five, five guns you can, you can get as DLC or some of them will come with the first run copies of the game or, or whatever it is. And, and, you know, these, these guns, it's, it's quaint now to think about the idea of selling variants of guns, which is something that obviously call of duty does every single day. Um, and then the, there was an outcry about that. Um, there, was a, there was an outcry about the idea of guns as DLC. You know These were unlockable in other games. And so the change that EA made was, okay, well, we'll give you these guns if you sign up for our newsletter instead. And then you won't have to pay any money and the people who were angry were like yay we did it and I was like you stupid fucking idiots the minuscule amount of money they were going to charge for these guns that you don't even really need anyway is worth way less than them being able to fucking market to you you
1: fucking rubes <sighs>
0: But yeah, I don't know. Um, but for me, it, it was the rise of the smartphone and and mobile gaming. That to me felt like the existential threat to video games. Um, and that's a long time ago now. Now it's like this they coexist, and you know the the game industry loves to tout how many people play video games and how much money video games make but like the traditional video game business never likes to break down how exactly that's possible and where exactly that money comes from and how very popular many mobile games truly are. Um, and so I think a lot about, you know, like the, the 20 years down the line, 30 years down the line, whatever, you know, it ends up being generationally speaking. Um, do kids still care about video games? The type of video games that we care about now, the traditional console game, the you know, the first person shooter on PC like like those sorts, of, you know, like like those sorts of games. Or does that stuff go away? And the rise of games like Fortnite and you know, the like the the rise of of that style of game as much as that game is on mobile somewhere theoretically um kind of you know and and the way that streaming happens and, and all of that stuff i think that that ends up being something that you look at and go like oh okay actually yeah games keep going in a sense but the way they go on the 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 way that fortnite is free to play the way that warzone is 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 free to play you know we used to kind of think about Back when the consoles and PC were a little bit more split, I think there was a lot of hand-wringing on the PC side of things about the way console gaming was going and the way that console gaming was kind of infesting the mentality of PC games. And we ended up seeing that kind of... I think it hit its crescendo with something like Modern Warfare 2 with the big boycott. And everyone was like, I'm not playing Modern Warfare 2 because they're going to not have... They're going to sell me maps instead of letting me download maps like every other shooter and every other game, you know, like when, when the PC market became a lot more like the console market in terms of being able to sell you DLC, which is really, you know, Hey, PC games were selling expansion packs years before any of that happened. It was just compressed into a pack instead of like, what if you could buy one new unit? Remember when total annihilation was putting units on the front of magazine cover discs? And it was just like, "Do you want a new unit for Total Annihilation? It's on this fucking CD." You're like what? You know, there's a lot of weird, a lot of weird shit. But I, the the people on the PC side of things, I think felt the similarly to how maybe some console people do now. In terms of just like, hey, this thing that I've loved for a decade or more is going away or it is changing in ways that I'm not okay with whether that is some of these games are becoming a lot more simple or a lot more console games are coming to PC and back then those console ports were hyper fucked up cuz controllers weren't standardized and you know in the in the pre 360 era in the pre USB era playing console style games on a PC was a totally different fucking ball game so you had you know all these deep you know 4x games and all you know adventure games point and click adventure games like these genres that just kind of vanished and it's not to say that that happened because of consoles you know tastes change no matter what but but there was i think a certain amount of just like this seismic shift of the types of games that were coming to players all over the place and now you know like they've unified to the point where PCs and consoles are getting largely the same games and they're largely the same hardware um, underneath and, and, and all of that sort of stuff. So it didn't end up, I don't, and, and, and also we've seen this kind of re-rise of a lot of these, what we think of as these grognard ass fucking PC genres. I mean, Baldur's Gate fucking three exists, came out, won awards, and even somehow fucking managed to come to consoles, which is crazy. Um, that's wild. And so I, I think the the thing that we we're seeing now these days is that you know anything is possible if you've got the right budget for it, and if you're being responsible with money and, and you're 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 thinking about different sizes of games, and instead of just like this arms race of let's spend $400 million this time. Let's chase, you know, like, like trying to outspend and trying to make the biggest, shiniest thing possible. And instead going like, okay, here's, here's what this size team we can make this. If you're scoping properly, blah, blah, blah. You know, um, I think we can, we can see a lot of different games at a lot of different sizes and scopes and see them be successful across a lot of different genres that appeal to different types of player. And I think that that's overall healthy. But at the end of the day, you know, it is very easy to freak out about the traditional, you know, we we talked about last week when we were talking about midnight launches of console games and how that doesn't happen anymore and why that doesn't happen anymore. We're talking, you know, it, it factors in very directly to where Xbox is right now, where Xbox's classic franchises have fallen out of favor for one reason or another, whether it's because they didn't put them out often enough or just like that genre of game, you know. at some point the conversation turned on Gears of War and people don't remember it as fondly as maybe they used to, or, you know, like, there's... Um... You know, and yeah, maybe they went back to the well too many times on Gears and too many times on Halo and, you know, like, and and whatever else, you could argue that they, they kind of did it to themselves and they needed to innovate more directly, more frequently than they did with their bigger franchises and and that they would have ended up in this hole, even if the pandemic didn't happen? That's entirely possible. I don't know. Um, you could argue that Bungie, the shift from Bungie to 343 being not smooth, ended up turning a lot of player sentiment on Halo in a way that, you know, maybe it, maybe in some cases it didn't even deserve. Um, or didn't deserve long term. Probably deserved at the time. Um, I don't know. I think that we're in the middle of another one of those big shifts, but this time it's sort of like how print magazines got squeezed out by the websites and now the websites are getting squeezed out by official channels slash the sponsored streamer, you know, whatever it is. Influencers, whatever we want to call them. Uh, I think that, you could maybe make the case and i'm i'm working through this in my head right now so this is not a clean analogy but you could potentially make the case that um what i was talking about with regards to pc gaming changing and being morphed into this kind of more compact more commercialized more consoleized thing you know maybe we'll see another shift like that that really goes harder into the mobile territory or rather, I guess maybe it's not so much the platform, but you know, we do see some of this with the live service game, right? Where live service games on paper, solve a ton of problems for a publisher. Like, Oh, if we require a server connection, um, then, you know, we can cut off some cheats directly, by requiring a server connection, we can drop piracy down to basically zero if we're authenticating at the server level and doing that properly. Um, We can have players play the same game for five years. You know, and on paper, I'm sure that all sounds amazing. Actually staffing and building a game that's good enough to warrant that and, and is frequent enough with its updates and on top of it well enough to be worth playing for that length of time obviously is a much harder story but it hasn't stopped more and more developers from or more and more publishers rather from chasing after that style of game and yes but at the same time yes Lethal Company is huge you know that's a very small thing you know Terraria was a huge video game The you know the, there's there's just a lot of stuff happening at different levels that that make this stuff Morph and change and shift. But I, I do think that, you know, the conversation around the big 60, now $70 triple A game does have to change. And I think that's why when we talk about Microsoft and what they're going through and what they're figuring out and and, and the things that they're trying to do to change up their business. And we talk about them in relation to Sony and the PlayStation. What's the
1: thing that PlayStation has done? Not,
0: nothing. They've been able to say, no, we're the company that is still just selling you these big, great games. It's a great place to be in. But also, of course, behind the scenes, they're sitting there going like, okay, we want to make 12 live service games by this time frame, and we we need to buy this studio that does this. We need to, you know... They're thinking about that stuff too. And I think that when we look at some of the Spider-Man 2 stuff and how expensive that game apparently was to make and how unreasonable that seems, how long does that work for them? Are they going to be met by market forces uh, in a different way than Microsoft has been? And what are they going to do? when it happens you see you know like oh can we could we make shorter there was a um there's a piece in edge this month where they're talking to sean laden former head of playstation about the budgets on games and how fucking bananas they are and how it is totally unsustainable and like hey can we can we make shorter games can we can we not waste a bunch of money making a bunch of grindable content and instead just make a razor sharp shorter experience I'm like maybe you could but like is that $70? It, you get people into weird value conversations again at that point. Um, yeah, man, it, it's, it's a there's a lot of stuff that I, I think is just kind of hanging by a thread not the word for it. But I think there's a lot of stuff right now that I think when we look at what where this business is in five years, and you could say this about any five years, it's video games, things fucking change fast but I think right now with what we're seeing with what Microsoft is probably about to do with some of the things that Sony would love to be doing better at. Um, and where, you know, discoverability on the shops and indie games getting lost in the shuffle and just like, like all of these different weird forces around a game release that are really fucking things up (laughs) for a lot of people. it, It feels like we're, we're in this zone where things are going to change. Um, and, you know, is it going to be better? Is it going to be worse? I, I I don't know. You know, like, I, I don't know. So maybe things change to the point where you say, oh, they've changed in such a way that I am no longer interested in playing video games. I think that that's very possible at any given time. For sure. But... Uh but I've rolled with a lot of punches so far, and i I don't know man. i just i just fucking like video games um, not like the video game business it's an interesting thing to look at from the outside for as long as I have, and so you know i I hope to continue doing that <laughs> for uh for uh a very long time but um but yeah, I don't know that's a, that's a i guess that's a long answer for you greg from kansas hopefully that made some kind of coherent sense along the way um very quickly here before we go i've been thinking a lot about minecraft in relation to some of this xbox stuff um and Minecraft is a multi platform game, and Minecraft is a, an example of a game that Microsoft acquired and then started to do things to. I like Minecraft, but did you ever notice that whenever you see shots of anything in Minecraft that is truly revolutionary looking, that you look at something that you're like, oh my God, look at this crazy fucking Minecraft. Look at this. Hey, hey, come over here and look at this. It's never. Microsoft's current, it's not bedrock, it's never the, the current Minecraft. But it's always fucking Java Minecraft. It's always people installing the jankiest shit in the world. And you're going like, alright man, so here's how you fucking install Optifine. First you're gonna install Java on your computer. And you're like, the fuck I am? Um, I'm gonna reinstall Optifine. It's been a long time. There's a runtime in the Minecraft directory that you can use to, to do all of that without having to install new Java or whatever. But um, Microsoft's Minecraft, the, well, it's, it's all theirs. I don't mean to pin it, but the, the current, the new, the modern version of Minecraft s- sucks by comparison. You know, they added their microtransactions and you can buy some skins and services. And like, I, I don't, that's fine. You know, hey, I don't, I don't necessarily hate that stuff. But like, the point is none of that shit ever, none of the cool shit from real ass old school Minecraft ever made its way over. And I don't know if it's not possible or what, or if just people are just not into it because they're so ingrained in, you know, Running these jars, getting the downloading these hot jars, um. And uh, it's a bummer. Remember, they announced RTX support. They're like, we've added ray tracing to Minecraft, but to like do that in the the PC version of Minecraft because it never it never came to the Xbox version, even though they kind of seemed it seemed like it was going to, and I think did for a couple of days before they're like, oh shit, we pushed. Oh jeez, um. You still have to go download this ancient, like, NVIDIA-produced texture pack to really get the most out of it, and it's it's, it, it's still, like, fucked. It's still this janky procedure to even get that stuff working, and no one's really built on top of it. No one's really said, like, oh, you've got ray tracing supporting? Oh, we built all this other cool shit on, you know? It, there's, like, NVIDIA has a world in their store still that's, like, look at it, there's a neon world, and this works with RTX. And you're, like, all right. What about just regular ass Minecraft or some fancy, crazy, ridiculous textures? Like no, no, that's on some dude's patreon. You gotta you gotta hit up hit up Patreon, download the pack, and then that's and then in, unzip that to your resources directory and then uh, fire up Optifine or whatever the fuck you're doing. you know and, and are you using Minecraft Forge? Yes or no, absolutely not. never. never in a million years would I run Minecraft Forge. Okay, but well, here's what you need to do. it's it's just crazy to me that a game that has been as big as Minecraft has not has not been treated better or, or or integrated more directly like the like that the the bedrock version of of Minecraft has has not you know been built in a way that is you know, capable of just like, Oh, Hey, you can get these textures for the, the Java version and run them here. You know, there was no, and I'm sure that's hard. I'm sure that's not, otherwise they would have done it. Right. But it feels like there hasn't been an equivalent of like, Hey, here's, we're going to do this. And, and, and now here's the new hot, crazy shit with ray tracing running on Minecraft and on the PC. I just want an easy experience to make Minecraft look beautiful and crazy, but it, it's not there it's it's the it's the java version of minecraft it's going and grabbing it and then you know well you know whatever installing it is easy but it's like getting shader packs getting resource packs using optifine to just manage all that stuff to some degree and all like it just minecraft never got where it seems like it should have gone after the microsoft acquisition after the release of bedrock like it just feels like that version like, it might have feature parity with the old version and, and all of that sort of stuff as best they can, but it, it's a letdown. And I'm not even a massive Minecraft fan, so maybe there's people who are massive Minecraft fans who are more pissed off, or they've just written off the Bedrock version completely, and they're just like, yeah, I'm a big Minecraft fan. Why would I ever touch that version of the game? Like, alright, I guess. Yeah. Maybe that's the, maybe that's the actual answer. <sighs> Anyway, I just had to get that off my chest because it bums me out. And Microsoft should have done a better job with Minecraft post-acquisition. And I don't know what circumstances, I, I don't know what the, I don't know why that's the case, but it feels like some shit went wrong. Remember they were like, we've got our super duper graphics pack coming. i like, that never materialized, right? Something with Minecraft must have just gone super fucking sideways one of these days. I don't know. Anyway, tomorrow we'll play some video games. I don't know what we'll play. Probably some hell divers. Honestly, I need to play some more hell divers. So maybe I'll get into some hell divers. We'll stream some of that tomorrow. And then Thursday is Microsoft's big announcement. Uh, I am trying to make a schedule. I'm trying to reschedule some things so that I can watch that live and we can hang out and figure it all out together. Um, and then Friday we'll do some eight bit Nintendo games, you know, head on over to Patreon. If you haven't patreon.com slash Jeff Gerstmann, I should really mention that at the top of the show because the people listening to the end probably know about it already. And thank you for knowing about it and hopefully signing up patreon.com slash Jeff Gerstmann head over there. Bonus shows, bonus content, keep the nightmare machine alive and I will see you soon.